Hello, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 49, the podcast where we just reflect on the fact that Stargate hires the whitest Aztecs to ever <laughs> populate a planet. Listen, sometimes they make an actual straight-up point of hiring as close to the ethnicity as they're trying to portray in an episode, and sometimes they just hire a whole bunch of white people from Canada. What, what are you going to do? I have to give this episode some credit. They never actually state through some questionable writing, not this isn't technically a compliment, but through some <laughs> questionable writing, they never actually state that these particular people are in fact the Aztecs that Daniel was talking about because it could be said that that civilization they're talking about actually fell first and then these current people showed up. Oh yeah, know, there's or, definitely... Or whatever. But... That's only because the show never actually follows through on some shit in this episode. And I don't know if it's really something we can give him credit for. I have for. to wonder if, because it's such a huge, like, leftover note, I have to wonder if there was a scene originally and it was cut out for time, um, which would be unfortunate, but not necessarily her fault, because she's not going to be responsible for the editing. Yeah. Um, or if there was plans for this to come back later and for them to finish this subject i, I feel which like i'm saying i don't think it is but maybe originally there were plans to kind of yeah. like how when we had the retu episode we're like oh yeah they really thought the retu were gonna be something yeah. and then we were surprised yeah. to find out they mentioned the retu in like three other episodes after that so yeah. like there's a chance it'll come up again yeah no there is um god knows i can't remember every single one of the episodes that's ever happened i i think it's more of that first theory of yours though where there's some stuff left on cut. the cutting room yeah. floor because this episode so heavily emphasizes daniel's presence and what he's doing and why he's there and what he's learning about and then it's literally never followed through on yeah so i'm thinking that had to be a thing it's honestly my only We'll we'll get into like yeah. more of it when we get to it, but it's honestly my only real complaint about this episode is that we just there's this big question at the end, and ultimately I will say, you know, for all that we're like that you you said that like yeah Daniel's presence for this is like really highly emphasized, the narrative of this episode that's not the point of it. What Daniel's doing, his stuff is like just. No, Daniel's it's totally having superfluous. His own little field trip. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's a so totally like, extraneous storyline. I get. Yeah, it. so like ultimately, it doesn't harm the actual narrative that we're getting in this episode. But yes, it's a big like because they Daniel makes a point of this, and then we never get an answer, or at yeah. least we don't in this episode. Right. I'm inferring from the episode that the whole learning apparatus. <laughs> The whole, I almost said apparatus. Ooh, that was hard. Um, but the whole apparatus, I don't even say apparatus. I don't know where that came from. The apparatus they use for learning, it's kind of implied to me that that came about as a result of whatever destruction the ghoul, the ghoul had, you know. Oh, definitely. You know, wrought upon yeah. this yeah, plant. Absolutely. So that's really cool. And that can be, you know, that could have been just good writing on its own. But when they don't follow through enough like they did in this one, that's what leads to me leads me to thinking that this was more of a deleted scene kind of thing because it kind of looks like they were going towards that narrative which was this city the civilization got, over, got overrun wiped out whatever they developed a way to be able to fight back which involved this <laughs> and then on top of that 
societal changes came about, and then you have this leftover new civilization as a result. If you have a scene that details that a little bit more, which is something Daniel does in yeah. this show, is do that little quick expo moment where he shows the delineation of things over time. Mm -hmm. And they don't have any, even a reference to that kind of a scene in this. And that stands out. So yeah. I definitely feel like that had to have been the yeah, goal. I, I, and then I something came in the way. I feel like they had to just cut something yeah. out, now, which is that unfortunate. That being said, I kind of agree with you and them, if that, in the sense of, let's say that my, you know, what I'm saying here was correct, and that was their an initial goal. I think it was an admirable goal, and I actually kind of agree with the idea that they seem to have gone with, which was not doing it fully, yeah. because, as you said, that wasn't the main purpose of the narrative, and we yeah. were able to put the pieces together on our own. So, uh, we're doing another morning recording, which means I need to go to bed after we record, uh, which is why I am failing to remember that there was an episode we had previously where there was a big, there was a there was a part of it that like they never tell us the details of like the background of the civilization. Touchstone, remember the Furling planet that we think might be Furling, and that's only because I read the trivia. No, it wasn't Touchstone because we because Touchstone they just didn't even try and give oh, okay, us cool. anything. It was it was one where oh, um, prisoners I think. Oh okay, yeah, the where, long dead civilization. Yeah, where we had where we had all these questions about um the well yeah about the long dead civilization that this this uh, prison ground used to belong to and also about the civilization that was sending all these prisoners to this place in the first place. Yeah, because we would only get these tiny glimpses. And what we did get was enough to have all these really interesting questions, but ultimately finding out about these people wasn't the point of the episode, but it does just leave you with all these interesting little questions about their society. And I feel like this episode is quite similar. In uh, Prisoners, I remember laughing a bit about how it kind of made sense why they only glanced at that species, people, yeah. whatever. Uh, it was mostly just because you had to not have the super advanced people in this show, otherwise the show <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, they did a pretty good job of just kind of keeping them out of the light, literally, in that episode. <laughs> and that wasn't uh, necessarily a criticism. Here, it's, yeah, you're right, it's pretty similar. It's not necessarily a criticism that they left out some of these pieces. Um, I would have loved for it to still be in there, because it does add a bit of finalization. I don't care for the wrap-ups, oftentimes, in these yeah. episodes. They're mm -hmm. often just so freaking hasty. And like, I know it's kind of the point of a wrap-up, but fuck it. I don't like it. I don't like it when you just go from, like, really heavy subject matter to, oh, never mind, it's good. We're all good. Wipe it away with a washcloth. I, it's fine. I like the wrap-up for this because, as you said before, it's a very bittersweet ending. Yes. And I'm on the record in this podcast for being a sucker for bittersweet endings for stories, especially when it involves kids. I don't know why. I can't explain to you why, but I for am. For me, if the bittersweet moment hadn't followed a child sacrifice storyline, I might have been a little bit more down for it. Yeah, I get you. But like I said, I like those bittersweet stories in my YA sto stories. Yeah. So yeah. it's much easier for me to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for this. <laughs> I do love it in YA too, especially with... Like, Alex Ryder and with, uh, okay, I'm not going to use Artemis Fowl because those last books were not as nearly as good as they should have been. Animorphs, also Keys to the Kingdom. Keys to the Kingdom, God, that My thing is, ending. though, is if you're not going to, like, really follow through on it, then don't wrap it up so nicely. And I mean that because, like, Alex Ryder, for example, kind of went all the way with its dark. Like, you kind of knew the kid wasn't going to die because that was the point of the series. 
But Except that after a couple of years, he came back and kind of retconned a lot of the shit. So I'm not happy about. I I feel like I'm I'm still reading it. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like the true true end of Alex Ryder is Scorpio Rising. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I consider the last one of Owen, of, of Owen Culver's work to be you know Eternity Code. It's just kind of how you feel like where the character actually hey, ends I, as a story. I like the fifth one. Okay. <laughs> The fourth one sucks. The fourth, fourth one's, one's awful. We don't talk about boring. the fourth one. You just have to get... The fourth one is like the second Pirates movie. <laughs> it's that thing you have to get through. I like the second Pirates movie. To get movie. to the plot again. Uh, I kind of consider the fourth book to be kind of like the fourth Pirates movie, which is, you can just pretend it's not there. <laughs> but yeah, so like with that in I mind... I like the fifth one. Uh, Other, uh, even with Minerva in it, I like the fifth one. I don't care for it. I, I like the storyline. I don't care for any of the extra stuff in it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. But but I, my whole point with it was that the thing with those, you know, with, with all of those kinds of YA novels is that they follow through, I think, in good writing, they follow through with the darkness a little bit more. Mm-hmm. This one goes all in with its child sacrifice, not being, thankfully, not like actual death. I mean, okay, yeah. let me rephrase this. I consider lobotomization pretty damn cl- similar to, oh, to yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. In this case, I know they're thankfully not actually lobotomizing the kids because they're able to relearn. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not making these, you know, complete equivalent. They're not totally yeah, yeah, equivalent. Yeah. I get no, that. I get you. But it's obviously similar enough on purpose by the at point of the episode. So with that in mind, they're going with this dark element of, you know, using their children as the advanced computers that they are. And sacrificing them accordingly. That's great. You want to have a whole storyline about why that's necessary and so forth, and that's what you're doing for your show. Great. Uh, my uncomfortability, my uncomfortableness aside, <laughs> that's fine. But when you go for that for 44 of a 45 minute episode, and then in the 45th minute you go, oh wait, never mind. This was never about child sacrifice. Everybody's happy and go lucky, and we're good. And I'm like, okay, that's not bittersweet. That's just you don't have commitment. I don't think that's what they were saying at the end. I feel like it is bittersweet entirely because of the whole part at the end where, sorry, jumping all the way to the end of this episode, where Jack's like, I guess we'll have to relearn each other, basically. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with that with the bittersweet part. My, My only thing I'm disagreeing with is that it would be more bittersweet to me if they had emphasized more of what it cost her. Because they go straight into the sweet part, which is him saying, okay, I guess we'll have to learn again. But they don't talk about anything. I know it's because it's a wrap-up and they don't want to deal with the long-term ramifications of this subject matter. But they well, don't talk about the whole show. Exactly. That's the, exactly. Sh- that's yes. the yes. show's weak point. And I'm not, def- I'm not, I'm not lambasting it for it. But I yeah. do have this issue with this particular episode, which is if you're gonna go real dark with this, I actually feel like you should have gone a little less sweet in the bittersweet. I liked the ending. I just think it could have been a little darker because I think it should have been a little darker. I think it should have followed through on the uh, on that element of the story just a little bit more, showing her affected a little bit more by this other than just being well now i'm just infantile and i get to all i get to go on with my life only losing 10 years i'm like yeah but that could have a significant impact on you like that's i wonder what that would be and i'm not saying that they have even a whole other episode to do the follow-up because yeesh. but i would have liked that little bit more bitter in the bittersweet to make it an yeah. ending i would have liked uh, more i would say the basic issue with that is the format because as you pointed out these are 44 minute episodes they don't, and and the examples we're giving for bittersweet stories that we like are long-running books. You kind of just have to do what a lot of these wrap-ups do and, and have, like, the 
sort of open end where like if you want to see the darker you've got to take that journey yourself like i said i'm not disagreeing with what you're saying and i wasn't disagreeing with what you're saying beforehand i'm just this is my perspective on it which was i would have just liked it to be a little bit more bitter and actually and, and for me then it would have felt like it kind of lined up with what the episode was doing up until that point for me what i was getting from it and uh yeah but again i like i said in the beginning of this whole thing i totally get why they left out those tiny bits of dialogue because they're not as throwaway as they are, as we usually call them, because these aren't tiny bits of dialogue you can just throw in or leave out. It's yeah. either you put them in right, or you don't put them in that actually exactly. makes it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does make it better if you don't fuck up with the extra details. So this is all minor criticism, but not really criticism. It's more like, well, I would have liked it if you did this, because I feel like you spent 44 minutes doing it, and then at the 45th minute you went like, eh, never mind. And I feel like that a lot with this show, particularly with its wrap-ups, is where they go for 44 minutes on whatever topic they're going for. And at the 45th minute, they go, eh, they I mean, never mind. They always their wrap-ups into, like, two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it just bugs me. That's just always a problem for me, though. It's just because it always undercuts the story. Because they have to end the story on a, on a high note, otherwise they're going to be too depressed to come back. I just, I don't know. I just feel like that with no experience, no talent, no equipment, I feel like I could have done it better. that's basically what i'm saying (laughs) so no you're right you know it's it's they they do exactly what they can with what they have and i'm i'm not complaining the wrap-ups always kill me i like this episode i think it was really well um balanced in terms of how it was told so yeah heather ash i think was her name on this one she i think she did a pretty damn good job well before we get into the names of the writer and director i'm mel and i'm Liz. And we're 30 minutes into our recording. <laughs> hey, we had a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, as you said, the writer for this episode is Heather E. Ash. This is her first time. This is not her last time. No, she has like five five episodes or something like that, I think. I had I've this. seen at least three. Um, yeah, out of five episodes total, from seasons three to five. And she was a story editor for 18 episodes. Nice. Well, yeah. I, you know what? I'm, I'm looking forward to the other ones. I def- I immediately recognized one of the ones that she wrote for. Um, it's one I, I long remember. It's one of the episodes that, like, you always remember that episode exists. Oh, yeah. It's kind of hard to forget the episode about child sacrifice. <laughs> well, I wasn't even talking about this one. I was talking about one of her future ones. Oh, Foothold. cool. Oh, Foothold. Yeah, there we go. That's one you always remember if you remember Stargate SG-1. Maybe not the details of it, but you always remember that episode happened. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I think she did a great job in this. Um, the director is one of our mainstays that we're, we're fond of, Martin Wood. Yeah, he's he's always great. Yeah, exactly. I did notice some real bad green screen at one point, but that's all. I have the same fault. goddamn note. I, my, my Eric and I were laughing because I was going, "Wow, that CGI isn't actually that bad." And then the scene kind of transitioned a little bit, and and Daniel screen. walked into frame yes. more, and I went, yes. "Never mind." That moment, one moment in particular, because we get uh, a couple like matte shots or like whatever, but like this one moment, it's, I think it's because we linger in the scene for like three full minutes of conversation. And it's just, you're just bombarded with how bad the, the green screen is yeah. for it. I'm sure it looked great back then. Maybe. But now I'm, it's funny, this episode actually wasn't bad in terms of CGI. I love the little no. shockwave thing they did later, too. That was oh, pretty the, good. Oh, the shockwave was great. Yeah. But then, yeah, that's the, that, that green screen. Whew. And I think their set dressings were phenomenal in this episode. 
not just for their um, Aztec stuff, but I think their uh, their Nakoda reactor looked really cool. The detailing on the the outer shell was great. The art for the inside of it was really nice. I think all of like the set dressing stuff for this episode was really good, and most of the CGI was good. The green scene, the the, the green screen just sucked. <laughs> So let's actually start talking about this episode, for real, 40 minutes in. <laughs> so uh, we start out at an excavation site with a Stargate in it, um, and we see Daniel working with a bunch of kids, uh, and he's up on like on like those wooden like platform ladders or whatever. And oh, um, I just had it. Not struts. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I, the word is somewhere in my head, but I can't think of it, so. But you see him, like, you know, telling one of the kids near him, like, yeah, do it just like this. And it's clearly been, like, instructing these kids on how to help out with, uh, doing the excavation processes and everything. And <laughs> then we get the gate dialing through, and he reassures all the kids, like, oh no, it's just my friends coming back. And you see Jack and Teal go through, and I have to ask you, why does Jack always feel the need to run through the gate? Uh, probably for the same reason I would. Uh, it's it's kind of like when you're on an escalator and you're kind of making sure that your steps, your feet are exactly on the steps. Because I don't know about you, but my mom used to tell me horror stories of my shoelaces getting caught in the um, escalator. So to this day, even when I'm not wearing shoes with laces, I will kind of tuck my feet really carefully mm -hmm. onto the step of the escalator just on the off chance that I don't get something sucked in and then I won't get diced into pieces. I know it doesn't work like that, but I still feel like it's going to happen. So I just walk, I stand very paranoid on an escalator if I can't get past the person in front of me who doesn't understand that an escalator is supposed to make you walk faster. <laughs> but I feel like I'd do the same thing with the Stargate. I feel like I'd be running through that fucker every time because otherwise, and again, here's the thing. It's also actually not that fair that i'm saying this because i'm basing my response on sga not <laughs> sg1 because i know sga which is there's an episode in like the very first like three episodes where um a puddle jumper gets stuck in a gate because it turns out gates in space rely on momentum because it's gravity in space there is none mm -hmm. so you have to like you know retract your pods and then the ship goes through the gate and if anything happens to kill the momentum you get stuck in the gate <laughs> So I would definitely run too. However, that's based on the fact that I know you can get stuck in one. So as as Jack doesn't know that yet, I could not tell you. He's very impatient. That's all it is. Oh, never mind. That totally makes sense. Yeah, but I just I was very struck with the fact that we see we see Teal just calmly walk through the gate, and you see Jack like quickly abort a run through the game. I just think it's really funny, Mel. I had like this whole like, this is totally a thing that based on this reasoning, and then you went, he's impatient. And I went, oh yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> so uh Jack and Tilk are here now and Jack makes a joke to Daniel about child labor laws. And uh Daniel explains that no no these are uh these kids are called Uron and they are apprentices. Uh they're all over the place that this is, you know, just a thing that's done here. Um, and he shows them a, an old piece of Aztec jewelry that's been excavated, and he's like, yeah, they, they've got all this great shit that they don't really understand. They don't, they don't, they don't know what they have here about, like, the old Aztec stuff. So, obviously, he's having them help him find all this stuff and, and teaching them the steps to it as he is. <laughs> and, uh, we find the... I literally never wrote this man's name down. 
<laughs> you learn how I feel about characters when I don't bother to learn their names at all. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. So I guess Kaylin, Galen, no, I don't Galen. Galen uh shows up at this point to explain to the audience watching this episode that the planets have agreed to uh, exchange information and Jack specifically brings up their Nakoda reactor that they were promised to be shown, you know, get get a chance to check out. And uh, he pretty much immediately turns on his heel and escorts the man and um, a girl named Marin through with the Nakoda reactor back to SGC. Uh, leaves Teal'c with Daniel on Orban. Orban. Yeah. And Sam, back at SGC, is walking with Hammond towards the gate room um, and basically explaining to him about how Orban's tech is past our own, like more advanced than our own, almost approaching gold level. So it'd be great to like, you know, get a look at their tech and, and learn things from them and everything. It's very promising. And they come through at this point, uh, Jack with Galen and Marin and the reactor. They hand the reactor over to Sam and the man is like, all right, let's go. And she's like, wait, 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 what? And he's like, our exchange is over. Let's go back. And Sam's like, wait, wait, you you have to teach us how to use this first. And he's like, I can't do that. I, I do like know. how he says that. I do not have this knowledge. And then, like, a computer just kind of turns around, like, I don't have this knowledge. Bye. <laughs> and she's like, okay, okay, who might have this knowledge? <laughs> and then Marin steps forward and says she can teach Sam. Uh, so they, so Galen decides to go back because he's useless. And Marin's going to stay here to teach Sam about the reactor. Um, so where are her parents? Galen has a kid in this group, so it makes sense that his presence is here. Or that, let's say that he was just one of the people that his job is to herd sacrificed children, then, and his kid happened to be one of the picked, cool, chosen, whatever. But where the fuck are her parents? Where are any of these kids' parents? Yeah, Why are they just say, leaving these the kids behind? Galen? I know, it was a really annoying concept to me that there was just no other adults shown because the there weren't other ones adults. that were necessary, but still... The only other adults we see in this on this planet are the like three green screen people we see in the background. In the background and honestly, they were, they were wearing the white clothing, so they might have been more Uron for all we no, know. No, they were too old to be Uron. Well, I don't know. It was it was green screen? Maybe it was badly rendered. I don't know. I was <laughs> just saying they were wearing no, no, white. They were so maybe... clearly adults. Okay. Well, to me, I, it looked like they might have been kids as well. I'm not saying they were. I'm just saying it might have yeah. been. Either way, we're not even sure for sure <laughs> that they were adults yeah, because they were was... green screen. Yeah, they're. This is the only adult on this fucking planet. It's odd. It turns out he's actually just running a ring of freaking child sacrifice. His job is definitely to be, like, the herder. Yeah, he's he's the cat herder. Yeah. It's fucking barbaric when you think about whoever came up with this concept, especially since they had literally no recourse for Um, after. They had no follow-up plan until this kid learned about schools. From the, uh, the mystery that they never actually solved, uh, with the background of these people and the gold's involvement, it's probably the same fucking person who was responsible for Brief Candle. There you go. I could see that. 
still likes nanotechnology. They actually call back to Brief Candle and bit. directly compare it, and I think that was on purpose. Yeah, if it wasn't, like, the same dude, that Pelops dude, if it wasn't the same dude, it might have been somebody who, like, found his research and modified it to be less Bob, a li- li- little Honestly, less barbaric. Honestly, look at what he was doing in Brief a Candle, little. I would 100% believe this was him again. This absolutely seems like his kind of weird experimentation. I will say, I don't think where their society is now is directly the gold's responsibility because Naren explicitly says that the practice they're doing now started was created by 49 years ago. Yeah. And it was created by Orbanians, she said. Yeah. yeah so, so I think, but I think the, the ground level, yeah. the, the foundation for what yeah. they're doing was probably born yeah. from Pellas. Yes. Like Pellis. I said, if it wasn't him for, for sure, who did like every step of the you know process or whatever, it was definitely somebody like finding his research or something Absolutely. and modifying it. Yeah, I, no, I could definitely see that it was Orbanians who found leftover research and went, hmm, we can do this without yeah. killing people. Mm-hmm. I 100% think that's what it was. Let's just take a small percentage of our infant population, invasively alter mm-hmm. their brains, mm-hmm. and then in 11 years, we'll just suck them out and throw them away into a building yeah. to live out their now infantile lives. Mm-hmm. And I, what I love about that is if this has been going on for 49 years, that means there's at least a few adults around the age of 49. Yeah. Who have still developed, actually, because this episode went to great pains to tell you that there is no brain damage done by these nanites when they're taken out. So they can just start over in their learning process. And if you leave someone alone long enough, they're going to start picking up on things. I know feral children are a thing for a reason, as they don't gain, like, necessarily communication skills or anything that you can use to be part of, like, everyday civilization as we know it. But you have some people running around who are basically adult versions of feral children now, probably. I don't think it's quite that uh, stark. Yeah, actually, I just realized they did have nurses and stuff there, so I'm hoping somebody kept them Well, I don't even... Here's the thing. Like, they don't... We we find out that, like, you know, they don't really understand, like, Earth versions of learning or whatever. But I feel like what we've seen of Galen kind of suggest like because there's a lot of very basic topics and subjects that he just doesn't understand i'm not just talking about like he doesn't understand you know how the reactor works or anything like that like he doesn't understand he doesn't know what teach means he doesn't understand like what exchanging information actually looks like because they've never done it don't actually know if those kids just stay there forever because what you said is they basically restart as infants they might very slowly in a, you know, because obviously, again, they don't have, like, teaching, they don't have schools, but they might just become adults who just don't really get what's going on, especially if they get old enough that they start getting the single nanites from people. Oh, wait, no, they can't get nanites. Yeah, never yeah they can't. That. They can't ever receive them again. So they're just left alone to not learn because yeah. they're, they're never given any information from anybody. I, I know at the end of the episode, they've kind of set it up that they're going to have a subset of the population that gets taught teaching style and probably eventually someday somebody's going to click into the fact that you could probably have adults in those classes too during nanite exchanges Mm -hmm. like just because you're not receiving a nanite doesn't mean you can't still learn exactly (laughs) so i bet this this is going to be like a whole new stage of life for them and living and i get that you're gonna have a subset they're probably still going to get the things put in their heads because once you have a great highway of information you're not going to give it up especially when you think it's harmless well i think this episode does a great job and i think they do heather does a great job of choosing to have daniel be the one this is expressed to 
where they kind of point out that like look we can't stop doing this I disagree. I think it's very easy to stop using children as computers. I think you just stop using them. <laughs> yeah, but like they, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I do. I think from a sociopathic standpoint, Daniel was exactly correct here. Yeah. Um, I was telling Daniel Eric the same the thing. He was the right have person to have yeah. this conversation. Yeah, with. no, he would because he's the one Not who goes just for his his own oh, personal it's just emotional giving up a um, couple of kids' childs childhoods. It's fine. but also because he's the anthropologist and he would be the one. Most likely to be like, you know, he was he was the right choice for her to have him be the one that gets talked around to. And I think it's very important important to point out that Daniel's not happy about getting talked around. He's yeah, I, I, I don't care. This is like somebody signing off on the Spanish Inquisition because it was the Spanish's culture to do something <laughs> like this. Like it doesn't you you can you can you can anthropologist it all you want if this is still a select behavior that's only impacting a certain population and it's what i consider to be barbaric or what some might consider to be barbaric i feel like the discussion should be had that are you sure you want to keep doing this now i can't tell another culture to stop and i know that if i were in star trek universe i wouldn't have the ability to but i would not be doing what daniel is doing i would be as soon as i realized this was a problem and this was what was going on I'd be like ah cool I must now remove myself from this situation because mm-hmm. because I need to remove myself from this situation. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't, there's no way in hell that somebody could converse with me and the end result would me be going, oh, yes, let's go find that child so we can scrape out their brain. <laughs> like, no, there's, I, just, I, there's just I, no I way I would have been either. on that side. Yeah. No, so. I, I would do the same thing as you. I'd be like, okay, I can't. I can't rightfully involve myself in this conversation. But I get why Daniel was the one. You're, I'm not yeah, disagreeing any, with anything. Daniel, that that's all correct. I just disagree on the personal standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from the episode standpoint, that's all great. No, on the narrative standpoint, that's aspect. that's all terrific. I love how he's I, just I like, like pro kids rights, pro kids rights. Oh, you need the kids for their brains, and this is helpful. Some kids rights, some <laughs> kids rights. I, I like that you brought up uh, Star Trek, though, because I at one point in, in my notes here, I'm like, oh, so this is like a, a better version of the Don't Walk on the Grass Star Trek episode. No, it's, again, not a bad episode. And every single thing about that makes me talk about it is more about, like, what the buildup is about the episode. Like, it does a lot of implied world building, which really gets you thinking. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like uh, Prisoners did. Yeah. But yeah, I just... My last thought on that was I just have to really, I have to just mwah to the people who, as a group, went and decided 49 years ago, all right, I have an idea for you. We take 10% of our children and <laughs> for just just ruin their lives. Yeah. We don't even kill them at the end. That's the best part. We yeah, don't even no, give no, them the blissful, the blissful release of non-existence. No, 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 no. We'll lobotomize them and then we'll shove them into a room. On the opposite end of the city, where no one really has to look at them. They'll be fed. They won't know anything, but they'll be happy because they won't know anything else. It's fine. I just, Listen, it's not good I optics, love the group who did that. That's part of, I think it's part of the insinuation that, like... They were desperate? The foundations of... The, well, yeah, I think they were... Oh, which also is probably because, like, the Pelos probably just, like disappeared one day and they were desperate no i um, I, I sense the desperation have the foundation of pelos um then you've already got a dark um manipulative foundation so yeah. i'm i'm yeah it's not great and i agree with you 100 on that but i from a narrative standpoint i totally understand the path of this 
this world. Oh, yeah, no, from the, as I said earlier, the sociopathic, desperate side of things. On that yeah. whole side, I totally get it. On the other side, I'm just going, Ugh. Yeah, like, I think it's I think it's a stronger version of the uh, Star Trek Don't Walk on the Grass, because yeah, it's, like, actually, it's, like, it's got actual stakes. <laughs> it does have actual stakes, and we, and... I don't know. I just I just appreciate the shit out of I just respect the shit out of the person writing the episode where you can have an episode that's about a subject matter that the entire time I'm watching this episode I'm going I hate this episode. I hate this concept. I hate everything about it. And yet I'm actually avidly watching it and going, "All right. Exactly. All right. All right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this." And at the end Eric was getting his face like, "Oh my god, they're going to kill this kid." And I'm like, "Yeah." And then they follow through on it. They do. Yeah, and he they was do. like, "They do." And I'm like, "Yeah." The one thing, the one thing that bugs me the most about this episode, I will say before we actually get back like into the actual narrative of it, is mm-hmm. I forgot to say it earlier. They gloss over hardcore one really important thing, which is if you're going to reduce these kids back to a state of infantile nature, infants don't know how to walk, and they don't know how to hold things, and they don't know how to draw, they don't know how to do anything that the kids at the end are doing. Here's my devil's advocate for this. Um, they never. There, there's every chance that the nanites are specifically directed towards certain parts of the brain and don't go to motor functions. So they still maintain the synapses for motor functions. And when the nanites get removed, it's only knowledge. It's not motor functions. Because we don't know how the nanites function. Yeah, using your logic, no, until someone tells me not, that's not that. That is not a bad idea. I... I mm-hmm think it'd be interesting somebody would have to explain to me how that worked um but i wouldn't be against it i would i would like to hear why muscle memory and motor function were left alone during this process if it's all about taking all the information and how it is that you can take all information but still allow for things like muscle memory to be left alone because it's interesting how that stuff is coded i'm not against it because this is really advanced technology that'd be really cool i just i guess on a personal note i would just love a conversation with this uh, science fiction person who made these. I'd yeah. love to know. Yeah, I would say that like it does seem like it's totally possible because of the fact that like they make a point of the fact that um, these nanites function as synapses, but the kids still have regular synapses too. Undeveloped. They make synapses. a point of that, right? But they're undeveloped. That's the whole thing. Is they now no, need they, to start they from have scratch. other ones. They have they, they they like develop like next to each other, right? But that's the that's thing. Is, do they that, like the motor functions are the ones that were the naturally developed synapses? I'm, I'm totally on board with the fact that I just missed this piece of dialogue. So if I if I just missed it, it's fine. But did I miss a piece of dialogue that says the synapses are developing at the same rate alongside the false ones? I mean, they the artificial don't explicitly ones. I mean, say that. Okay. When Marin's explaining it. She kind of like insinuates that. Okay. Well, if if that's the case, then I would be less annoyed with it. I will. I will definitely give you that. Um, it just seems odd to me that the body would still be putting resources into developing synapses right next to it when it knows that it has the artificial. That's just not how the body works usually. But. I also Depends not a neurologist. The nanites are, are programmed. Well, has do, that's the thing. It has less to do with the nanites in that case and more to do with what the body's actually doing. Because then you have to reprogram yeah. the actual DNA of the body to tell it what to do. Because if it doesn't want to make an extra limb, it's not going to unless you tell yeah. it to. <laughs> so if you happen to have nanites in a body doing a side task, the body isn't going to spontaneously go, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow a third limb because it wouldn't be told to do that. So I don't know where that line is. I know the brain yeah. making its normal normal synapses is not at all a comparable argument to growing a third arm. I totally no, no, get no. that. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not using that as my logic base here. I'm just saying that in that somewhat format of like where does the brain take on spontaneous, you know, decisions. Yeah. Not, not 
when not the brain but like when the body's base level of creation you know like how it makes cells and everything i don't know where that line is drawn like where it loses autonomous function and so on yeah I mean, so i'd like to like, learn that it'd be cool hmm. this is one of the issues with uh big sci-fi like this <laughs> yeah is that it's it's invented tech right so like ultimately if they don't spend 30 minutes explaining <laughs> the technology to us which they don't have time for in a 44 right. minute episode right then you kind of have to make your own yeah. guesses. Well, that's like why we're going, an hour oh, in. Oh, I think yeah. <laughs> the natural synapses kept the muscle memory and the nanites only went after information, you know? Yeah. No, I could see that. I would. That would be a very complicated thing, and I could totally see that because this society seems like it's very complicated yeah, with how it does its yeah. stuff. So I'm not against that. I feel like that process would have to be so complicated at that point that you're having to program the body also to do stuff. I'm not complaining because, again, that yeah. I, that would be a whole other episode and so on. Oh yeah. But yeah, now yeah. I'm just sad that I don't get to have this conversation with this sci-fi person. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> so yeah. it's really just that. I guess I that's mean, all I'm lamenting in the end here. I would I have think... loved to have that information, but I couldn't tell you where I'd get that information from because that would be so out of – that'd be so boring, whatever hour-and-a-half-long yeah. tutorial yeah, episode that would be. I think if we are agreeing that – that Pelos is a, a likely um, culprit Source. of a lot of this. Yeah. Then, I mean, he kind of genetically made the people on Brief Candle. So who's to say he didn't make the people on this planet? Uh, you know, not make, but you yeah. Know okay, I mean. yeah. Okay, I was like, I just took a second. Modify, like, modify. Yeah, because because once the thing was turned off. Then they went back to normal with the aging there, so I don't know. I yeah, get, I'm not disagreeing. Like I'm not disagreeing. First I'm not, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I it's don't just, know. Yeah. yeah. I'm not against it. I, I, it's yeah. just questions. <laughs> it is just questions. I like them. This is a good episode. Like I said, these are all They're good not questions. Like touchstone <laughs> questions where it's like we have nothing. <laughs> My touchstone question was what was touchstone? What was uh, anything? It was to tell us we had a second <laughs> gate that. again. That was it. That was all it was. Yeah, they could have had yeah. any episode and they gave God. us that. An unnecessary um, episode. That yeah, episode is so fucking unnecessary. Oh, it was. And it was poorly shot and it was poorly written and it was just, and we had to deal with the NID again and it just sucked. It sucked. Yeah. Let's talk about an episode we like. This one. Yeah, let's do this one. Uh, so they take Marin to the infirmary um, and they're, you know, they're talking to her like she's a kid because she is a kid. Um, and I, I love how, I mean, SGC has only had to deal with like, I think, three kids at this point. But they're all so good about talking to kids. And granted, like, Janet's a mom now. Sam is a co-mom. Jack was a dad. Teal was, I'm saying was a dad because he keeps abandoning his family. Barely bothers his kid. <laughs> so, Any like, number of other people on, on Chulak are being a better Hammond's dad to Ryan. Hammond's a grandfather. Uh, yeah. So, like, you know, they, they all have, like, good kids. family. But yeah. it's just nice that, like, you see in these scenes that, like, they talk to the kids really well. Every time they're in a, you know, like gentle, like not wanting to they, basically because they're like, oh, yeah, we, we have to take the infirmary. It's part of the process. Yeah. And they're being very gentle with her and like because worried that she'll be scared or, you know, nervous because this is a new place and she's alone without any. And she's 11 world here. Yeah, she's 11. But then she's the one who's like. Oh, yes, to make sure that, that I don't bring any pathogens or anything like that. Like, she's the one who elevates it to that conversation. And they all kind of, like, 
look at her for a minute and go, yeah. <laughs> they've all uh, interacted enough now with kids, even if, even if it's only the third time. They've all had enough exposure in that regard that they're all mm-hmm. just able to figure out instantly that, like, that thing that other adults tend not to, which is that when a kid speaks competently and succinctly and is they able to convey themselves. They to them in the same way. Yeah, they'll just... I love it when a kid will do that every now and then, and the adult will go like, oh my gosh, aren't you amazing? Ugh. Or my favorite ever was, oh, still makes me mad. This was 10 plus years ago, and I'm still mad about this. But I had a teacher in my fifth grade class. When I was in fifth grade, my teacher went off to, for, she left the school year because she had a kid. And her replacement was supposed to stay. But she ended up only staying for a few months because she was terrible at her job. <laughs> One of these things that uh, made her terrible was she didn't really care who she was talking to. She just wanted to be the uh, older person who knows everything. I came up to her once during math and I came up with her uh, with my book and I said, hey, I have a question about this question. I'm not entirely sure what it's asking because the question is worded a little ambiguously. And yeah, I was a fifth grader using that word. It's not that amazing of a no. word. It wasn't like it was some, even if it had been, I was using it correctly. But she stops, gets really sighy and put upon, and looks me dead in the eye, and just goes, do you even know what that word means? Ew, God. Yeah, it's not very clear. Could you make it a little more clear for me? And I remember her calling my mom and telling me, telling her that I wasn't being respectful, and my mom asked why, and when I told her, she went, oh my God, what a dumb fuck. And she made that teacher cry, apparently. Good. She needs to. I love how she said you weren't being respectful when she wasn't being exactly. respectful yeah, first. That's what I'm talking about, those kinds of people. But this, this day, this day, that story makes me so upset because I never actually did get an explanation for what that question not, meant. Because she got teacher. so mad that I spoke back to her like that. She told me to go sit down. Because I remember looking at her and going like, does it fucking... M- Are you kidding me right now? Like, she could have just said, okay, this is what it means. And then if she thought I didn't know what it meant, she could have just answered what she heard and then allowed me to figure out what happened and you know made that a teaching moment but no Mm -hmm. she had to be the person who knows everything the whole point of this story is i love how everybody at the sgc is the opposite of that as in they have more Mm -hmm. than two brain cells and understand how to respond to anybody regardless of age they hear something and they can comprehend what they are hearing and then they make their decisions based on that so somebody hears the question hey what does this mean it's a little ambiguous and they don't care who the fuck is asking it or how old they are they just answered that question i like that they would have made much better teachers than my shitty fifth grade substitute teacher (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh i've had some high school teachers who were quite like her <laughs> yeah that was in fifth grade too which is just like if you are that upset at that young of an age about kids that young of an age <laughs> you're not set up well for life god no anyway so yeah back to what i'm saying i uh i love these guys because if somebody they yeah they just hear the information and it's just really nice but yes so you know th- they realize that oh this is you know a very smart kid like they already knew she was smart since she was the one being sent to tell them about the reactor but like they're just like oh okay you know we're just gonna speak frankly with her about things but i like how even jack this is okay this is how as an adult you can be a little like curious or surprised or even probing about like the intelligence levels of a kid in jack's way <laughs> where he's like so you're the reactor expert she's like yes and he's like and you're 11 she's like yes how old are you (laughs) 
No response. I know. I love how he very pointedly does not tell her how old he is. He even looks very upset that she asked him. Rude. But it's so great because, like, she she asks and she's not asking it to be rude. She's clearly just like, oh, you asked how old I am. I'll ask how old you are. But he clearly takes it as, like, a personal affront. I'm looking back at my notes, just not going to answer that age question, I see. And uh-huh. right above that, though, I had once again had a little bit of an annoyed little rant because pick a motherfucking intro, MGM. They're back to that <laughs> other one with the freeze frame at the end. They switched back again. And I bet next week they're going to go back to the other thing again. It's just, I don't know what the deal was with how they I skipped uh, through the intro, so I didn't yeah. see it. No, that was it. It was just a little note, but it was just like, pick one. Pick a lane, buddy. I like to know when they change these things for the, like, contracts and everything and apparently they change them literally episode to episode so that's just bizarre as fuck i don't know man i mean it can't have been that way back then this has to all been all have been changed after the fact for digital upload and everything. oh almost certainly so um i mean i'd be curious to see what our our uh, openings would be if i was watching it on my dvds it's just a little bit extra. It's kind of like how how I uh, forced you to watch the Shapeshifter episode for Supernatural on DVD. Because it has because, the original music choice. Because the all the streaming ones ha- uh, can't aren't licensed to have Inagata de Vida for the opening scene. And it doesn't work as well if it's not Inagata de Vida. So when you were watching it... When you started watching that episode on it was Netflix, like, I'm halt. pretty sure, and it just started playing, and I was, and I, that scene started happening. I was like, "No, turn nope, it off, nope, turn it off right now." And I walked into my room and I got the DVD out, and I'm like, "You're gonna watch it on DVD, or you're not gonna watch it." <laughs> but yeah, uh, so so yeah, I, I like that scene, uh, and then we cut back to Orban, and we get a CGI backdrop. And here's the thing: we see this. This this is the green screen scene. Um, the, not the scene, but the green screen backdrop. Backdrop. We don't have anyone in front of it, and it's fine. Yeah, like I said, no it looks good it, up until it's fine. Yeah, and this is another piece where I actually like, like the. It's not really scene dressing because again, it's CGI, but I like the visuals of the fact that we've got like this old Aztec pyramid right next to like high rise skyscrapers and very obviously like high tech buildings and technology outside. I like the contrast there. And I think this has a lot of very interesting questions for this 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 world. It's yeah. a lot of like what we've been saying Heather Ash does for this whole episode, where she presents all these little things, kind of like Prisoners. I think Prisoners is an excellent comparison to this episode when it comes to the the tidbits we get about this society where we still have a lot of questions, you know? So, uh, we go inside the Aztec Pyramid, which is where the gate room is, um, and we see Daniel, who's unearthing, um, one of those, uh, floor tile, uh, cover stone type things. Podium. Well, under the podium is one of those, and I'm, I couldn't, I, I blanked on it for my note-taking, too. It's those, um, murals that are done with, like, colored tile that make a picture. Oh, mosaic. Mosaic, thank you. I couldn't think of the name of it when I was taking my notes, but I was like, uh, floor tile display. <laughs> I like floor tile display. But he's unearthing it under the platform for the DHD, and he's, like, very carefully, like, unearthing it, and he's clearly, like, tracing parts of it, and is clearly, like, you know, studying details on it. And Galen brings in his son, who he designates as also Aron, and tells Tilk that 
Teal'c will tell him about the gold. Like, all of his information about the gold. And um, Daniel asks Galen about another kid that uh, was working with him earlier. And uh, is told that it was past time for his ovarium. So he is not available. And Daniel's like, wait, what is that? Like, some sort of graduation? And the man's like, yeah, sure. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, close enough. (laughs) And Daniel does not probe. I already know who I am for this episode because there is a fundamental difference between me and Daniel in this episode. This is actually, it's actually in this moment when he's very obviously like, yeah, sure, that's close enough to graduation. Where my next note is, I feel like Heather Ash is a fan of the Giver book. It's got very strong The Giver vibes. Yeah. This is a better Giver movie than The Giver movie. <laughs> I didn't mind The Giver movie, but I'm, I know I'm alone in that. <laughs> I'm just, I couldn't tell just you squinting why I at don't you. mind it. No, I couldn't tell you why I don't mind it, because here's the thing. I love the book, and yeah, it's very different. Yeah, it's the like, did they, did they even read the book? No, they didn't. But for some reason, I didn't mind the movie. I actually own the movie. And maybe if I watched it again now, I would not like it. But I didn't dislike it when I saw it. So I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, I'm honestly of that universe. I actually like the uh, semi-sequel to it, The Messenger. The Messenger, I don't. I, 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 I don't not like The Messenger. I like The Giver more. I love The Giver. I love The Messenger just a little bit more. It's not bad, don't get me wrong. I think they're both excellent uh, stories set in really well-built worlds. But I feel like this, I, I really feel like this, the, the world of this and the atmosphere of this episode is, it just feels inspired by The Giver. And I'm not saying that she, like, stole from the giver. No, God, it's a oh, no, 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 wildly no, no, different no, narrative. No, 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 no. But, like, you can take inspiration oh, hell yeah. from, like, the feel, and it really feels like it. No, I can see Maybe that. Maybe I'm wrong, and she didn't at all, but... In that case, she's got the same fucked up mind. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, like, it's I, great. Like I said, no, I... There's I, some deranged honestly... minds out there that have created some pretty cool stories. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, at this point, Galen takes Daniel outside. He's like, oh, I have to show you... The, I think he calls it like the pyramid of the sun in like the the setting sun or something like. He, basically, he's got to show Daniel around the city in a certain light, in certain lighting, and he's gonna leave his son Toman with Teal'c in the meantime. Um, and he so he leaves his son and his. They son seriously goes, have no concept of stranger danger whatsoever. No, they don't. Which when you we you know what we know from about their society, it's like yeah, why would they? <laughs> I mean, because I feel like even in this society, a small percentage has to go aberrant. Like, there still have to be bad people. So it's just interesting to me that there's just no criminal element whatsoever in this. I'm not against I mean, it. I'm... I would just like to know why. Is that, an, is that a side effect of nanites? Is that is that a thing That's that a, happens thing. when you have the an orderly that, society? Like, everybody gets a nanite from these kids. Makes me think it would be less likely that you'd have the aberrant. You would think, but there's always that one person who goes yeah. super crazy. Well, maybe not in this society. Yeah. They don't seem. I to guess there aren't any uh, Jeffrey Dahmer types in this society yet. Yeah, it's only been forty nine years. Give him time. Give him time. <laughs> true, true. It just cracks me up that it's like, okay, just no stranger danger whatsoever. Mm-hmm. This has to actually. You know what, Mel? I'm kind of taking it back. This has to be related 
to whatever unfor- unseen event allowed these people to be free from the Goa old because they don't even have any concept of danger really until no. these people come to tell them about danger. <laughs> Something super oh, yeah. saved and then them. Yeah, that's yeah. It has to be because as soon as they find out about the gold, they are like freaking out, determined, and freaking out to find out as much as they can. Yeah, like they a, were un. Narrative point of this this episode that like Galen is like you must find out everything you can from him. You know we need to have this information. Like he's very firm about it, so it definitely feels like yeah they didn't have a concept of stranger dangers or strangers yeah. before. Yeah, they didn't have a concept of danger really aside from yeah. like don't fall from this high thing because that di- you know will result mm-hmm. in you dying. Yeah, they had like literal you know mammalian concept of danger yeah. but that was pretty much the uh, end of it it's just yeah. a, I was, as i was saying it, i was like oh wait shit never mind they really yeah. just must have no concept of it. this is like a fishbowl type situation it's interesting it's really cool this is a cool episode i know i was i was literally just thinking this i was like she really put a lot of thought into what the society what kind of people the society would create but yeah she definitely like thought about the effects this kind of society would have on the people living in it. It's very clear. Well, glossing over a lot of the others, but yeah. So, uh, but, so, Toman gets left with Teal'c, and he just kind of stares for a while at Teal'c, and Teal'c's kind of like, you okay, buddy? (laughs) And Toman's like, I see that the gold are, are to be feared. And he's I think that kid just called Tilk scary. Yeah, he definitely. It's really great. Cause yeah, it's like this because you know the kids in this world are all very like very smart. Yeah, and they all have a slightly disconnected way of like addressing things. But this is absolutely this kid's way of being like, oh, big, tall, scary man. <laughs> That's absolutely what it is, and it's a great way of portraying it. So back at SGC. We see uh, that Marin is surprised to learn that people on Earth do not always have the same intelligence, uh, and she doesn't know what school is. <laughs> and there's a great part where she discovers that Jack isn't a scientist, and says that he isn't as smart as Janet or Sam. <laughs> and Jack's kind of like, uh, uh, well, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but... <laughs> I love that, like, as soon as she says this, you just see Sam duck her head down and just start grinning. <laughs> and, like, Jack can't even, like, refute it, because he's like, no, yeah, Sam's definitely smarter than me, but he's just kind of, like, he's still, like, like, wet cat offended that <laughs> she called him. He's like, well, I I know other things, you know, like, have fun. And <laughs> oh, I, I love his reaction. It's It's very accurate it's pretty much what my dad would do whenever i would like when my dad turned 50 he was not looking forward to turning 50 and i'm pretty sure it had nothing to do with actually turning 50 itself i'm pretty sure it had everything to do with me because i pretty much immediately started calling him a half centurion and following him around like an asshole and, do, and just pretty much just going hey half centurion has life and i would just only call him that for like a month and honestly i probably was just a walking billboard for why people physically discipline their children it's kind of that same affronted look, like, as you say, wet cat offended. Because I'd walk <laughs> up to him, like, I'd come home from school, and if he was already home, he'd be like, hey, dude, how was school? And I'd be like, hey, half centurion, it was okay. And he would just stop and look at me and go like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I was trying to be nice, and you just come in here and step on my foot, Okay. <laughs> But yeah, it was that same kind of just that offended look. I uh, I really appreciate Richard Dean Anderson's acting on it because it 
it brings back sentimental memories for me (laughs) yeah so he's like well i i know i don't have more fun i'm more fun than them and marin again doesn't know what fun is and jack tries to explain it to her and she's clearly not really getting it uh so we cut back to orban where Teal'c is having a great one-on-one with Toman, um, and there's a really good, like, again, because, like, Teal'c is, like, talking to this kid seriously, like, taking this kid seriously, and I love that they're just, like, sitting, like, he sat on the steps next to this kid to bring himself down to this kid's level, especially after he was clearly, like, intimidated by how big Teal'c was, and they're just, like, sitting across from each other talking, and they're getting around to the point where he's, like, where Teal's having the, the conversation about, yeah, you know, someday this this larva's going to mature, and if I don't give it to someone, you know, put it in someone, which I'm not going to, uh, then it'll die, and I'll die with it. And, like, Toman definitely seems to be kind of, like, bothered by it and says it's unfortunate, which I definitely feel like, I honestly didn't think of this until this moment, but I feel like this conversation was on purpose because of the ovarium stuff. I didn't even think about that until this moment. No, it's a but, very yeah, good parallel. She thinks so much about yeah. her writing. I love her. No, it's it's a very messed up moment because it's that kid's reflecting on his own mortality mm-hmm. next to an adult. It's messed yeah. up. So uh, we, we cut outside after um, Galen has shown Daniel around um, on their little date. And we get this great little moment of Daniel nerd rambling at the single adult on this planet who continues to know nothing. <laughs> like, Daniel's just like, oh yeah, the blah 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 blah. The, the, the name of the, the previous culture that we're not, neither of us are going to try and pronounce or spell. And the guy's like, I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and Daniel doesn't take that as a hint to, like, stop. He just keeps talking. I love it. We don't get as many instances, uh, we get a lot more of, like, Sam rambling about her nerd stuff and people just staring blankly. This is a great moment of Daniel just, like, having a nerd rant and ignoring the fact that this man doesn't understand a word you're saying, Daniel. Not a single word. I don't think he cares sometimes. I think he just likes being able to (laughs) to talk. Yeah. Um, but this is the scene with the really unfortunate green screen. Yeah, it's not good. <sighs> Sorry, I was yawning but during that. Let's, uh, it's yeah. the only time we get this really, really bad green screen. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's a one-hit wonder. So basically, the the summary of Daniel's uh, nerd rant is that he thinks that these people predate the Aztecs and says that the mural under the DHD should explain how their people wound up on this planet um, and he, like, drags Daniel and is like, okay, explain this to Toman. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't t- tell him. <laughs> uh, and so, and, and as he starts to explain it to Toman, and Toman immediately understands what Daniel's saying. Like, he gets it. He's picking it up. Yeah. Uh, as Daniel's laying it down. Uh, and we go back to SGC, and Sam is struggling to keep up with Marin, lecturing her on the different parts of the reactor, and Marin is about to be like, okay, let's start over. And Sam's like, whoa, wait, let's, let's look at this a different way. Uh, and starts, like, asking her, like, different parts about it. But Marin's clearly struggling with, like, improving how to talk about this. 
as soon as Sam tries to be like, well, let's, let's, you know, approach this from a different angle, Marin doesn't know how to approach it from a different angle. She's an expert on this reactor, but she's immediately confused. Because, like, Sam's like, well, the outer casing, what's it made of? And Marin starts to repeat her lecture on something inside of the and Sam's like no 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 let's let's talk about the casing <laughs> and Marin's definitely like confused and doesn't really know how to keep up at first um yeah because she recites things like a computer because this isn't that's her what she is yeah her job isn't to teach it's to be a computer so eventually mm-hmm. somebody's going to take this information out of her and then just have it without having to be taught and so they'll never have to teach they'll just have the information to exactly. access it's terrifying this is a great episode oh, yeah. because it's really gross every element yeah. is gross when you think about mm-hmm. it it's like oh that's really gross i don't like what they're doing to that kid i don't like what they're doing to any of these kids i don't like that they do it this way i don't like that somebody got no. too so desperate that they thought this was cool i don't like that no one's questioned it since i don't like anything about it but i love how well it's written because it, all my indignation comes from that on the aspect of how well it's written, uh, this is the perfect time for Janet to come in and be like, hey, I need to see her, Marin, in the infirmary again. Because I love Janet- her smile. <laughs> Did you see her yeah. smile when she looks at the kid? She's like, just for a minute. <laughs> like, super yeah, creepy, it's, scary it's smile. Panicked, yeah. like, it's great. It's really good. All the, the actors all do an excellent job in this. Yeah, sorry. Um, I totally interrupted you, but I just had to say, because yeah. when she goes to tell Marin, like, yeah, I just need to see you for a moment, I was just like, oh it's my god, her it. smile. She looks, yeah. t- like, half deranged. Like, oh my god, well, darling and, child, and get over here now. And clearly notices that, yeah. like, Janet's bothered by something. I mean, I'd um, notice I that my wife looks strained. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think it's really, really well placed, because we just saw um, evidence of, like, where this girl struggles with learning and with knowledge in like not being able to improv and approach things from different angles and now we're gonna find out why and uh janet basically is like yeah you know she's got she says we tested her blood and her blood has silicon tritium and something else and she shows that there's a nanite in her blood and um they and she kind of like shows the that like in her brain there's just like I don't even remember how many she said. Did she say millions? She said millions, yeah. Okay. I knew it was a high number, and it's synapses, so millions make sense. But she basically, it's like, these are, like, infesting her brain. They're they're everywhere. And we get one of those, like, walking, talking. Martin Wood does a lot of these. He's very good at this as transitions. This is honestly one of his, his strengths, is to do transitions for scenes of, like, conversations in hallways as they're walking and keeping the camera moving. So we find out, like, uh, Hammond's shutting the mountain down, like, and they want to test everyone into the mountain to see if it's been infected because the last time we had nanites, they bring up was Brief Candle. Yeah. And again, I think they referenced Brief Candle purposefully. Uh, but Marin's like, listen, you know, the nanites aren't an issue. They were created on our planet 49 years ago. All of us have them. It's how we learn. And she's like, you know, they, they, they help form synapses in our brain. And they're like, well, it was in your blood. She's like, yeah, if, if one of them stops working, they're meant to, like, go into our bloodstream. They're completely harmless there. It's fine. It's yeah. not... They'll be absorbed over time. And yeah, there's not nothing the dangerous about this. It's not like necrotic tissue. Yeah. In this, scene, in this scene, she's explaining that, like, they serve as synapses because they are inserted, like, bef- 
as soon as a kid is born, basically, while they're still developing and everything. Um, so this is where we find out from her that ovarians are when people uh, get more nanites. But they get the nanites from the kids, the orums, um, orums, sorry. <laughs> uh, they get the these nanites from the kids, the orums, who have the most because they're the ones that, like, they have to learn a whole bunch quickly. Yeah. So, like, when they're, basically, it's the whole thing where when they're born, the ones that are chosen to be orums get, like, the millions of nanites, and those form their synapses. And then when they reach a certain age, which is about, like, 11, 12, then they have the ovarium, where their nanites are shared amongst the population, so that everyone can learn what they learned. Gross. Yeah. It's just gross. It's just gross. It's a fucked up system. I'm, I, I am happy. I, if this were a real society, I would be very happy to sit in my city on a goddamn hill <laughs> and pass judgment like the dick that I am. But seriously, mm-hmm. that's gross. Any society that depends on something like this, desperation or not, you have to make decisions and you decided to be gross. Oh, no, I think it's very pointed. That, like, they chose to use kids for this, yeah. you know? Ugh. It's funny. I've noticed that societies in human history have gone one of two ways. Usually the one that most go, <laughs> which is children are precious. You know, they are mm-hmm. they are the next step. You treat them like the future. You should cherish the future. Like, I mean, it's just simple. Like, And if you don't cherish it, at least don't hurt it. <laughs> you know? And then there have been a few societies that have done the opposite which is even if they don't go down like a sacrifice route they go down the children exist to be used by adults they are there to that was a poor choice of words (laughs) that was a poor um i'm gonna rephrase that they are there to bolster the needs of adults so farmers in the middle ages would have a ton of kids not just because you know out of 10 two would live to adulthood but also because out of 10 you had two more workers mm-hmm. <laughs> minimum it was you were birthing supplies <laughs> it was weird but it was a thing and that's just kind of how it works so yeah it makes me think of uh the aspect of the snowpiercer with the kids yeah uh and i think that like and and the the, the way the kids were used in snowpiercer i think was very purposefully um modeled after before we had child labor laws kids were being used for precisely the same thing they had smaller hands and could reach into places that adults couldn't yeah they were a commodity mm-hmm. and because they were children they were basically property so it didn't matter especially like the orphan kids and yeah. everything yeah exactly yeah. semi-cherished slaves yep so yeah it's uh oy. i gotta say i am team cabin in the woods as in if you realize these are the steps you're having to take to keep your species going, maybe it's time to let your species die. <laughs> just saying. Like, if this is what you want to trade off on, okay. I just know that if it were my decision, I'd be voting the other way. i just vote for end gracefully rather than going out the other way. Because no matter mm-hmm. what, it's going to end. You can never. You're just prolonging the inevitable. Oh, yeah, yeah. So would you rather go out naturally and gracefully or i mean you can do it unnaturally but still gracefully like you can still extend yourself unnaturally but not in a terrifying manner but yeah like how do you want to do it how do you want to be seen by any potential posterity do you care like if you don't then go for it but i care (laughs) 
I would like humanity to go out, for example, gracefully. I would like to think that we would not go to these measures. However, I've seen how bad people can get. So I think we would probably be something along these lines, honestly. We would probably go yeah. down a uh, route. God, I gotta stop saying it that way. We got. We, we would definitely go down a uh, less chamber, uh, less chamber, less less uh, child labor law route. I feel like we'd go I mean, down the desperate our, route. Our society has had those moments before. Yeah, I don't know. Philosophical moment aside, I love how this episode does it because I'm sitting here going, "This is fucking gross," and I like how everybody's agreeing. And then you have Daniel, who's there going, "Like, I mean, it's not that bad." It's like, oh, okay, all right, we need to have a talk. Okay, he does not say it's not. That <laughs> I know, bad. no, no, He's I know, I know, no, 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 unhappy no. That the was a joke. Time. No. He is, yeah, yeah, yes, he it. is unhappy. But you'll notice that he's still arguing on behalf of the people who want to take Marin back, and it's not because of like societal rights he's like no you don't understand how this will impact them and i'm like okay 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 fuck off daniel <laughs> so yeah i just like how daniel's being yeah. gross in this episode too <laughs> but it makes sense this no be it, it makes sense it's not narratively bad it just makes me go daniel so uh this is the mo- oh so toman comes to his dad and tells him he wants to go undergo his ovarium early because the gold are a huge threat, and the stuff you learn from Teal'c needs to be put to use immediately. It's weird that they install the sense of urgency in the episode that they're not going to follow through on. Yeah. That's that's a weird flaw, I will say that. It's a minor flaw, but it's a flaw. I mean, the urgency has to be there so that SG-1 can notice what's happening. So it's just purely convenient urgency, and it kind of bugs me. Although, like, to be fair, okay, so yeah, we, we're never going to see it. But because of the fact, it still fits, it still works for the narrative of this this world, because we've already seen that, like, they've never had to worry about strangers or dangers before, so now that they have been introduced to it, they're, like, on edge entirely. So, I I get it. I think it makes yeah, sense. I, I could totally see somebody panicking, going from yeah. 1 to 100 at the first sign of this, because this is all new. I'm not disagreeing with that. I just, yeah. it just, at the same time, I'm still kind of on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, like I said, it, it has to happen so that SG-1 can notice right. something's happening. But we have already had it set up that they are, like, panicked about the gold. So it's, it's, it's not, not coming it's out not of nowhere, no, no, it's, it, You're right. You, you are not wrong on that front. It is not a spontaneous and... Convenient. Convenient, yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not spontaneous and convenient. It's just convenient, which is far less offensive. I will definitely agree with yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, this is actually the moment where I have a, I took a moment in my notes to say this episode has great child actors. It does. That Toman kid did a great job. And Marin does an amazing job. She as is well. spectacular. She is phenomenal. I think she uh she's her name is I remember correctly, her name is different now. She was credited as something else back then, but her name now is like Britt Irvin or something. And she hasn't done mm-hmm. a whole ton of acting and it's really too bad because she she's good. She is yeah, good. Yeah, she is. She's really good. Uh, I think the reason I specifically in this moment chose to say that this episode is great child actors is that, like, after Toman talks his dad around to, yeah, you'll get the ovarium early, like, the the camera lingers on Toman a little bit longer, and you can almost see some conflict in his eyes. Yeah, he's scared. Like, he's the one who came to his dad about, I need the ovarium early, but you can see... In his eyes, you can see that, like, he's still, there's some conflict there. I think maybe part of him had, you know, because he's a kid who was talking to his dad. His dad, yeah. I think maybe it's, I don't, I, I 100% don't think it's unreasonable that part of him was hoping his dad maybe would say hoping no. his dad would talk him out of it. Yeah, his dad would say, no, I want yeah. you to stay. I would like to keep my kid, thanks. 
But nope. Yeah. Dad went, okay, cool. You've done well. Bye. Peace yeah, is I, out. I, uh, I, I, I would buy that entirely. Because, again, these kids are doing a great job. Yeah, no. It's a great So, kid. back at SGC, in Sam's lab, she's improvising her own Nakuda reactor. And Marin's like, that doesn't, that doesn't look like our reactor. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, I have to make do with the equipment I have here. And Marin's, again, clearly confused by the idea of improving anything. And she asks Marin to sketch out, like, the inside of their own uh, Nakuda reactor. And Marin's like, I, I don't draw. I've never drawn before. And she, again, she's really bothered by just being confronted by this. I love how bothered she was. She was like, what the fuck do you want from me? You can't just... <laughs> She's like, yeah. I don't, you can't just introduce a foreign concept to me like this, asshole. What the hell's drawing? And we get a cute bit where um, Sam draws a little stick figure and says, that's me. And Marin, like, looks at her and looks at the stick figure and she's like, well, it's a representation of me. <laughs> I love that. That kid is excellent. Just that back she's and forth so of like, <laughs> I beg to differ. Yes, it's really good, man. Uh, but she, she, you know. She talks Marin around to, um, just, you know, doing her own and doing her drawing of the reactor. And she's like, okay, I'm going to need bigger paper, though. And Sam's like, yeah, sure, here's a big old, she just has a big old sketchbook in her lab. Makes sense. And then we start seeing her draw. And then we cut out. I love that kid just immediately going with the ruler, just like, damn, damn, pom, 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 pom. Oh, yeah. Like like a computer. It's, It's terrific. She's working faster than... Uh, Jack with the ancient brain yeah. in him was working. I just really enjoyed seeing that last little tiny bit of that clip of the yeah, scene. It's I just her it. just going yeah. at it with the ruler in the background, like the little computer that she is. Mm-hmm. No, oh yeah, definitely. Like, and how sharply she mm-hmm. was doing her lines, it definitely uh, felt like a computer doing it. I liked it. That's that's why I was a little confused with the concept. Like, muscle memory is one thing. Muscle memory is 100% one thing. I could definitely see that these kids are able to, like, walk and talk not talk but walk because of like having muscle tone because they did walk up until Mm -hmm. yesterday they were walking so they don't have like atrophy or anything as a problem there and i can see muscle memory being a thing um it's mostly the talking part it's mostly all the cognitive stuff that's the issue for me um but i have to say we didn't see any of the kids at the end of this episode talking i know that's what i know that's what i'm saying yeah Oh, yeah, yeah. But what I was going to say is, this is the one thing that's kind of, like, leaning me towards maybe this would help why they're able to, like, pick things up and do stuff and have some motor movement is because regardless of the nanites being taken out, this only works if they had, you know, taken into account the fact that these bodies were going to keep existing afterwards and so would need Mm -hmm. some framework. Otherwise, what the fuck, what happened? Otherwise, it just collapsed like a little pile of jelly or something. I don't know how else that would work. Yeah, yeah. One would have to assume that you're right in that reform, that they'd have to have some sort of concurrent development happening. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, this scene with her going, you know, like super methodical and super computer yeah. with her with her movements does kind of lend some credence to it, which is you'd have some motor control, I think, left over from that, but it wouldn't be nearly as precise, so it'd be enough to hold a crayon. Mm-hmm. I guess this would potentially fall within those same tracks only if it follows that same line of course uh and this is all hypothetical but yeah but yeah so uh we go back to uh orban and i really love (laughs) for all that like we think that we had a scene cut out at the end that like ties up this part of the plot 
I genuinely love how much we see Daniel just doing his little archaeology thing in this episode. He is covered in dust for 90% of this episode. I do I do love seeing him in his element because we don't get to see that. He doesn't get to do it very often. I like I think the I feel like the next time we really get to see him do it this much is um the um oh god, what is the name of the episode? The Unas episode. Yeah, he doesn't get the chance to do, like, archaeology. He gets to do the anth- anthropology side a lot, but he doesn't get to do a lot of archaeology. I just love that she let him just do it. Like like I said, he spends 90% of this episode covered in dust. I gotta say, I do like this about the people um, on Orban, too, because they're like, the foreign dude comes in and says, hey, I want to break up your mosaics, and they're like, okay. He yeah, tells him cool he, he tells him he wants to learn, and they're like, "Okay, I just appreciate people who are." This is the this is the upside yeah. to the, an intellectual only society. Is do mm-hmm. not get me wrong, I am definitely here for preserving hi- history. I hate it when yeah. somebody just knocks down a a, a mural or a, a building or whatever because just because it's old and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. details, please. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So don't get me wrong, I, I'm definitely not. Getting, but I also really hate it when someone says, "Oh no, you can't." Now, I'm not taking into account like religious significance or anything like that. Yeah, That's yeah, a different yeah. conversation entirely. I'm not. I'm not talking about spiritual significance. I'm talking about like, literally just like this wall's always been here. Mm-hmm. We don't care about it, but the wall's always been there, yeah. and you can't touch it because it's always been there. Because you're falling onto the art, the lovely age old argument of because, which yeah, isn't because. an answer. Um, and I like the, the other side of that because you have people who just don't use their brains because they're like, yeah, it's just there, but it's always been there, so we should just always leave it there because. And then you have other people who are like, yeah, this has always been here. We don't know anything about it. And this guy says he might be able to find something out about it without, like, ruining it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if it was left alone because it's always been left alone, but we don't need to protect it for the sake of because. Yeah, I think ultimately, like, um, again, like, neither of us are surprised that Daniel winds up being the one more or less arguing for these people yeah. at the end, even if he's not pleased about it. Um, but even outside of that, um, he feels like the best, like, conduit for them anyway, because he's so passionate about learning this kind of stuff, that this society that's built entirely upon, like, spreading knowledge and, like, the, you know, just, like, the fact that, you know, Daniel comes in with SG-1 is like, hey, do you want to exchange knowledge? I'll teach you all this stuff about things that you have no idea about. Because, like, they clearly know about, like, technology, but they very visibly in this episode have no idea about their past or any of this stuff. So then this guy comes in from another world who, like, just starts spouting information about the murals on your floor and the the jewelry that's in your temple. And it's just like, you know this stuff? Like, they'd be so eager with him. So, like, he fits in so well with the plot of this He's yeah. like a perfect person to be visiting here. He's a perfect member of the knowledge exchange, you know? Yeah. It just sucks when I have to disagree with him. Yeah. I mean, we've disagreed with him before. We'll disagree with him again. Yeah. Just like, oh, dear, annual. Uh, annual. Daniel. Daniel. Annual. Annual. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Annual Daniel. Annual Daniel. We get him more than once a year, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get him once a week. <laughs> okay, so Daniel has... Uh, discovered under the DHD, he's he's discovered that like the gold definitely used to be on this planet uh, a couple hundred years ago, and he wants to figure out 
why they left. And apparently the answer is somewhere in the mural on the floor. This is this is ultimately the one really big hanging loose thread we have in this episode. He says this and we never hear about it again. <laughs> Which definitely feels like they had to cut a scene. Yeah, there had to have been something. It just doesn't make sense otherwise. Why even have this? This is part yeah. of that weird sense of urgency where it's like, okay, cool, are the gold coming back or something? Like, are these walls foretelling of their return or some shit? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's definitely more to this scene than ended up meeting the eye. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Galen brings in a new kid, not his son, notably not his son, and asks Teal'c to tell him about the gold stuff. And Teal'c's like, well, I should tell Tillman. I've already been talking to Toman. He's already got the background knowledge. And he's like, no, no, you'll, Toman's unavailable. You'll, you'll tell him. And he's like, Toman knows all the basics, you know? And, and Daniel's like, yeah, you know, they already have a rapport. Um, and he's like, well, no, Toman is already, and he says, this is, I, uh, there's a lot of like very precise language used in this episode. So this is one of them where he says specifically, Toman has already given his knowledge. Yeah, that's gross. Mm-hmm. And he tells them that Toman has gone through the ovarium. And uh, at this point, Teal'c has gotten enough background clues um, to realize that something really messed up was going on in this world. And he demands to see Toman at this point. Dude, I have to say, Christopher Judge's acting t- needs a moment because his face oh, transforms so in a yes. second. He goes from like mildly confused to show me the child and it was like oh dear you pissed off teal'c yeah i also think i didn't even think about this but like another reason that daniel's probably the one person they have arguing for these people is that uh he's the only one out of all these people who doesn't have a kid where are you going with this all of these other people you know like teal'c do you Sam, need to have a Janet, kid to not want to hurt Jack. a kid? No, I'm just saying that... No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, we see in this episode several times where, like, their history as, like, parents is definitely influencing how passionately they feel about well, this subject. And we see that yeah. with Teal here. However we feel about how Catherine Powers portrays Teal'c as a father, he is still a father, and we see that, like, angry father side of him here now, where he's like, you know, bring me to Tillman, I I will see Tillman, you know? I also really like their sense of uh, kind of betrayal that only parents would feel, where it's like, I'm sorry, dad did what to his kid? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, like, I'm not saying that because Daniel isn't a father, he... He's ready to just throw kids on the fire, okay, cool. but just that he doesn't have that personal investment yeah. that everyone else involved in this yeah. episode with these kids does. The closest attachment he has to a kid is the uh, love child of the snakes that yep. are inhabiting <laughs> his wife and her baby daddy. I mean, there's just there's a lot of. Uh, his closest connection to this is in a very fucked up way to a child yeah. that is remarkably like, unrelated have, to him. He'll have an actual relationship with that child down the line, but not yet. So we go back to SGC 
and Jack comes into Sam's lab to find that Sam has fallen asleep at the table and Marin is looking for more paper because she has run out. I like it's like uh, he's, he finds her on a stepladder and he goes into dad mode. Like, get the fuck down from there. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you doing up there? Why don't you ask Sam? She's asleep. And she's like, I need 15 sheets of blah, 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 paper. And he's like, okay, you know, let's, let's talk to Sam. And he wakes her up. And um, Marin shows all the papers to her that she's been drawing. And they're very precise. Um, and... She's like, well, I couldn't draw it in a 3D aspect, so I'm doing levels of it, you know, layers of it. And Sam's like, oh, cross sections. Oh my gosh, I can like scan these into the computer and recreate it in 3D. The kid's a CT scan. Yeah. Uh, and Jack's like, okay, well, you know, we're everyone's going to take a little break and take a nap. <laughs> and Marin's like, oh, kids on our planet don't need to sleep as much. And Jack's like, oh, well, you know. Okay, fine. Um, well, Sam's gonna take a nap, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna get you more writing materials. <laughs> so we go back to Orban again, and uh, uh, Galen has brought Teal'c to Toman, who clearly doesn't recognize Teal'c. Um, and they're like, "Okay, you're gonna tell us what Novarium is right now." <laughs> and he says that on a Novarium, uh, all the kids' nanites are removed and they are distributed amongst the adults to spread the knowledge they have learned. This makes me deeply unhappy. Yeah. So, and he's like, yeah, the Oron children are then left alone in this, like, it clearly, it clearly is like a care house kind of area. Like, a whole building just where they're sent. An institution. Yeah, yeah, oh, 100%. Um, and he says that they cannot be quote-unquote taught again. Because their their brains won't accept new nanites. And I'm immediately like, yeah, because their brains were developing with you introducing nanites. They only know how to do it the normal way now. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and it's wild that, like, granted, I mean, ultimately 49 years is not that long for, like, technology. So, like, but the... <laughs> So, like, uh, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, you couldn't figure out that they, that they it wouldn't. But then, like, you know, I... What, what this tells me is that there are old people. Uh, either there are no old people on this planet, which is a different conversation. Like, okay, why? What led to that? Yeah. Which yeah. is probably part of this conversation of what happened 49 it's years ago. Yeah, like, what happened 49 years ago? I want to know what happened 49 years ago if there aren't any old people. Because otherwise, that means there are old people who were alive before this process witnessed its in, in you know being used and we're just cool and with we're it. just cool with it because up until that point they were having kids normally i'm assuming mm -hmm. and then we're just totally i mean how were they treating kids to begin with if, don't know if this is how they just immediately went eh, let's just start taking like i'm guessing i always kind of go down the tithing route so i'm assuming it's like 10 percent of the kids or something uh -huh. it, looks like a, it looks like a fair amount of kids oh it's a lot of kids and if adults if some adults are only getting one nanite I know that still feeds into the idea that some are probably getting more than one, but it definitely yeah, tells me there's like a lot of people taking yeah. over for but them. But I think there's a, I think specific. it's a fair guess to say that there could be quite a few people on this planet. So that would just tell oh, me yeah. that there's a lot of really chill old people who are down with this, or there aren't any old people. Both of these are interesting conversations. I would just like to have one with the person who wrote this. I'd like to meet this person and be like, dude, man, what was your deranged idea of this background? I want to know. And I mean deranged yeah. as in a good way. Like, yeah, what yeah, were yeah. these people like in your mind? What was their society like? This sounds 
Yeah, Heather Ashe is definitely uh, one of the writers that I think I would enjoy asking questions about her writing process. She's a Mary Shelley type, I think. She likes to see the darkness behind everybody. Honestly, that's a great comparison. But yeah, so uh, when he's like, yeah, the kids that were Orones can't accept new nanites, Daniel's like, well, you can teach them without nanites. (laughs) And the man's like, what are you saying? What do you mean? But so apparently they are not brain damaged, despite the fact that like they can't talk, they don't recognize anybody. Yeah, you know, they're, they're kid like you said, they're infants. We've we've had this conversation. They're infants now. They are basically reset to before they got the nanites to begin with. So we go back to SGC now that uh, Teal'c and Daniel have discovered the dark secrets of this planet, <laughs> and uh, this is where it's like, okay, yeah, this is SG One's prime directive episode. <laughs> Yeah. Where the entire, you know, premise of this episode is like, what right do we have to tell them what they're doing is wrong? Can we really, you know, change the entire path of their their society like this? Um, especially when, you know, the kids themselves want to go back and are agreeing and everything. Yeah. And then of course they they touch on all the all the gray area topics here, which is is this kid actually able to exercise their free will here? Because yeah, Jack's like, no, she's brainwashed. She's brainwashed, by being and in society. And I was, yeah. and something I said to Eric last night was, you know, you'll notice how these people will conveniently not show these kids anything outside this life, so they'll never know what they're missing out on. Yeah, exactly. It's really easy to say it's a great honor and this is my duty when you don't know anything else, when you don't know what you're losing out on. It's just so oddly convenient how all these adults manage to leave that out to these kids. Yeah. I do think um, it speaks to how clearly uh, isolated these people were for a while. Um, Because, like, yeah, there was a part in this episode where I was wildly frustrated with um, Galen, where it's like, okay, if you would stand still for five minutes and listen to the other side... They're not saying stop learning. They're saying there is a way to do this that doesn't harm people and we can show you. But because they have this like isolated background, SG-1 coming in and being like, this thing you're doing is wrong just feels like a personal attack where they're trying to dismantle their society. What I think is really clever about the construction of this episode is that like ultimately the solution comes from not giving the changes to the older set in their ways members of the society but to the kids who are more receptive to new things and will be there to spread it and what's interesting about the the construction of this narrative of this episode is that instead of the way it would normally be where it's like well you know the kids are going to grow up in the society instead of like with our society these days where it's like yeah you know each new generation is, you know, has more knowledge on certain subjects than the previous one and is more aware of certain issues in the world than the previous one. And they can start bringing that into society as they grow and develop and start to take the forefront in it. Instead, in this episode, because of the format of this narrative, it's a more direct, like, pipeline because of the fact that they have these nanites that they spread through the entire civilization, Marin gets this new way of thinking from Jack because she is a kid and is just like built to be more receptive to 
new things. Yes, yeah, literally by nature. Mm-hmm. And then mechanically spreads these new yeah. ideas throughout the society. I think it's really yeah. cleverly done. It's great, yeah, because Heather, Heather Ash knows what she's doing. She puts the uh, solution in her problem. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's not up to the adults to institute a change. It is up to the kids, which is the last thing she learns is her salvation, basically. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I think it's really clever. No, it's not a bad, it's not a bad tale. It is not a bad tale. It makes me deeply uncomfortable, but it's not yeah. a bad tale. But yeah, so, so they're back at SGC and they're talking about it. Um, and uh, SG-1 is basically arguing to keep Marin on Earth. Uh, and stopping the Orban from doing all this nanite ovarium stuff. And Daniel and Teal'c try to talk this man around to, like, you know, there are other ways to learn, you don't have to do this. But he's like, no, uh, you know, we aren't harming the children. Uh, which he he's definitely taking a very literal <laughs> translation to that. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I think Daniel even directly says, you know, there are ways to teach them without harming, There there are ways to learn without harming the children. And this guy takes a very little, we are not harming our children. It's like, you, you, you kind of are. You might not be hitting them, buddy, but yeah, you are. Yeah, he's just taking a very literal, which I think, again, fits the society because there's a lot of things that yeah. they just don't understand. They don't get subtlety <laughs> that no, much I'm understanding. They, they really don't, no. So, yeah. Um, and meanwhile, in in uh, Sam's lab, Sam and Jack are trying to talk Marin around. And uh, Hammond gives them 48 hours to convince her to ask for asylum before she has to go back. As she keeps insisting on, no, I, I'm, I have to go back to my planet. They've got 48 hours to convince her. So uh, back on Urban, um Oh, sorry. I, I said Daniel and Tilk had come to tell Hammond. It was just Tilk. Tilk came through and left Daniel there. And there was even a part where Hammond's like, is, is Daniel safe there? alone and Teal's like they're not gonna harm him <laughs> yeah they're more frustrated than anything I like how even at his I do really like that even at his worst Galen's more just at a frustrated dude he's more just oh yeah because he like he tries to dial the gate and he's just like no you gotta give her back and Dana's like we can't yeah. and he's like but I want her back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, no, you just have to. He gets really upset. He's not happy. Actually, he's, he's not like... that childish. I may have said much more childish. He's much more of an adult about it. He's just going like confused anger. Like, why aren't you giving us our kid back? <laughs> well, because he he doesn't have uh, because he was he's not Norban. He doesn't have these like millions of nanites. He doesn't really have critical thinking. I think he actually does have critical thinking in the sense of like he's he knows that no matter what a resolution will be reached. And it doesn't have to be done violently. So he's just yeah. very stubbornly trying to move the ball along and trying yeah. to push Daniel kind of out of the way, but not in a violent way, just like in a, like, I'm just going to kind of keep pushing my head into you and eventually maybe I, I can get by you. I would say this is a better portrayed, more thought out uh, version of the people from the Touchstone world. Yeah. Because remember how they were, like, accusing SG-1 of stealing their weather device and yet still couldn't, like, actually yeah. bring themselves to be violent with SG-1 yeah, at yeah, all? Yeah, Touchstone sucks. But it this one's seemed kind of like, why aren't you doing anything when we were watching Touchstone? Whereas here, it makes sense. We understand why he's acting like this. Yeah. It makes sense for their society and what we've seen yeah, of them. Yeah. So it's just another good element. I like it. I just liked his whole approach. I liked Galen not being, like, even when he's being a monster... Yeah. He's being a very calm monster. <laughs> uh, yeah, so back on Orban, uh, he's trying to dial through 
And Daniel's like, you can't, you can't go through on your own. If you don't have the code to open the iris, then you'll die. <laughs> and I love that, again, this is such a great, like, because you know, he, he's showing some critical thinking, but, like, they're still, like, they're so built in their ways. Because as soon as Daniel introduces a new concept to this man, he pulls out a kid and says, explain it to him. Yeah, immediately <laughs> just goes, ah, yes, computer. He won't take two minutes to try and understand this on his own. He's like, that's not my job. The children learn it, and then they give me the nanites, oh. and I learn it that way. God, ugh. So gross. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. But Penelope's like, yeah, yo, tell tell the kid this, and Daniel's like, uh... It's yeah, really simple. Here, you sorry. can just learn it yourself, asshole. My note here word for word, because I'm <laughs> like, I was amused because of how it's like, no, is that he tells Daniel to explain the iris to the new kid, and Daniel's like, yo, fool me once, shame on you, <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> like, no, I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna help you ovarium another child, what are you talking about? Yeah, if you want this information, you're going to have to learn it from me yourself. You are not mm. going to be able to continue to use your little creepy computers on us. Not that the kids are creepy. Your methods are creepy. Yeah. So the man accuses Daniel of turning away from knowledge the moment he sees something he doesn't like. Oh, fucking um, bite me. That's ironic. Right? right? Yes. That's, that's rich. what he's doing. Yeah. But uh, Daniel says that adva as advanced as they are, they should be able to see a better way to spread knowledge. Yep. I agree. That's the first and last time I agree with Daniel in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, uh, Galen says that being chosen as an Aron is a great honor to the child Yuck. and their parents. Yuck. And points out that if Marion doesn't undergo the ovarian, it will take the next people 12 years to have to relearn Nakura Tech. Or you could just have Marin teach it to them. I'm sure it'd still be but faster. They don't know what teaching is. That's yeah, the problem. But I, I know. I'm, I'm just saying, like, from the perspective of, I love how this is what talks Daniel around. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm falling. I, 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 that's what kills me. Is Daniel does have this outside knowledge, and he's still yeah, yeah. being an idiot here. This used to piss me off as a kid, and it still pisses me off now because I hate it when adults do this. I hate, or I hate it when people do this. Period. My mother used to, whenever I couldn't figure out like a brain teaser or something, she'd tell me this phrase, and I hate it with every fiber of my fucking being. Think outside the box. I hate <laughs> this phrase because it tells you to think outside your normal parameters. If you'd said that, I would have been able to think outside my normal parameters. But the concept of telling me to ask a question about something that I don't know how to ask about yet is one of the most fundamentally bullshit things that people say yeah. as as a stupid attempt at logic that honestly just irritates me to no end know something that you don't already know <laughs> yeah. which it doesn't work like that obviously so no. i know for these guys they can't know something that they don't already know but daniel, but daniel knows about teaching so he's like he has no immediate response and there's like 60 immediate responses yeah. that he could have given here but otherwise but if he did then the episode wouldn't happen but yeah so i mean ultimately we already talked about this not even just here but before but ultimately daniel comes down on the side of like if they try and you know completely uproot the way the society does things he's it's going to set them back 
um, ultimately is what he comes to. I guess and we've, that we've is a valid point. That and... is technically a valid point. And yes, yeah. that should be, like I said, the episode does take into account the gray areas. Like when I do, and I do appreciate his face when, like when the guy says that to him and he's kind of like, Oh, well, I didn't know that that would set you back 12 yeah. years. Granted, that is a response. That is an adequate response of, Oh, I didn't know that that would be a problem. Yeah. But that's still kind of the end of it. <laughs> you but know? There are still solutions yeah. that Daniel can work yeah, around. But they that just pretend that there isn't. Yeah, they just pretend that there's nothing else to be said there. That's just, that's just the end of it. And now he's yeah. like, oh, I guess, well, I guess we're going to have to do it then. I'm just like, what? <laughs> no. This is when I said, uh, this isn't simply a don't walk on the grass episode of Star Trek. <laughs> uh, so back in SGC. Uh, Marin is asking Sam to tell Hammond she has to go back home. And Sam tells her, uh, tries to tell her that, like, all the, <laughs> I love this part, because she's like, you know, yeah, but, you know, you're, you're only 11, you know, all the, the best stuff I learned, I didn't learn until I was, like, 15. And she's definitely talking about, like, boys and puberty. <laughs> but when Marin's like, like, what stuff? She's like, uh, not, nothing. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, Sam, Sam's awkward, uh, never mind, when she recalls her wild youth is, is a sight. Good. <laughs> I love it. I love that it's, like, all of us at home are like, yeah, she's talking about puberty and boys. Right. But then she's not gonna tell an 11-year-old about this. I love that moment she instantly goes, fuck, can't tell her about that. <laughs> uh, so... Marin's like, you know, if I could give you one of my nanites to help you understand, I would, I would. And Sam's like, well, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> and then, so they kind of like, they're clearly at a crossroads where neither of them are really, like, they both firmly believe what they believe in this part of the discussion. So Sam's like, look, you know, you're here for a little while longer. Let's just try and get this reactor working, her own reactor working. And Sam's like, you know, I've, I've built it, but it's not turning on. There's something clearly wrong here. And uh, Marin's definitely about to just tell her what she's put together wrong. And Sam keeps interrupting her, like, and like talking. It's the thing that we both do to each other where, like, we come to each other with a problem, but we don't need the other person to tell us no. the answer. We just need to talk to the person about the problem, and in talking to that person, we'll come to the answer ourselves. <laughs> That's literally what Sam is doing here. But she's, like, working out the issue herself, and we get uh, we get a reverse polarity for sci-fi bingo thrown in. <laughs> Why is it always reversing the polarity? Marin very visibly doesn't understand methods, uh, Sam's method of learning. Uh, she's like, it's not efficient. And Sam's like, yeah, but it's more fun my way. Because <laughs> she's like, I could have just told you. And Sam's like, no, but it was more fun for me to figure it out on my own. Because she gets to work, basically, yeah. is the longest short Yeah, they do the cool little shockwave and everything. Yeah, it was a really good CGI for the shockwave. I like how this episode does kind of gloss over one thing. There's a distinct type of learning that we have, which I have very distinctly, too, which I, 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 I can't learn sometimes unless I'm doing it physically. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kinesthetic learning. Yeah, yeah. And I'm better at that. Yeah, that's that's my learning style. I don't. I'm not an auditory learner. I'm not a visual learner. I'm a kinesthetic learner. Auditory learning is just going to go straight. Straight. It, my it, ears. I cannot. I can picture somewhat, but only in real time. I can't actually keep all of it in real time. It all at once. But auditory, yeah, same thing. Visually is much easier for me. Don't get me wrong, but kinesthetic yeah. is the best. And so, 
this kid is like talking about self-sufficient. I'm like, only if this is the only way you learn. <laughs> like, only if well, you can if that's learn. that's how the right. are exactly. No, I just like how this, you know, it's one of those concepts. Yeah. Again, the society has never mm-hmm. had to come to. Like, I bet a bunch of these Uran kids are going to turn out to have, they're going to, this is the first time the society they're is going to have to. Well, not just that, but there's going to be audio or visual. Yeah. They're going to start mm-hmm. doing the things that normal humans do in their development that the society's never had to worry about before. So they're going to have to figure out everything about child development from fucking scratch it looks like because um, it kind of sounds like even normal kids in their society non-uran kids it sounds like they get nanites too so i bet they all act way too mature yeah so yeah they've never had to do child development since mm-hmm. this instituted since this policy was instituted so yeah it's uh it's in a in a in, a, in my you know headcanon kind of way it's gonna be fun to kind of see like the long-term effects of that kind of stuff if you think yeah. about it but yeah, she's kind of like, and it, huh. it's, it's uh, what's nice about this wrap up is this is one of the wrap ups where it's very, very expl- like a lot of times we assume SGC is going to stay involved with this planet or whatever. This is an episode where it's pretty much explicitly stated that SGC is going to stay involved. Yeah, I would hope so. Oh, that's another thing I like, just realized they Jack glossed over on a personal level, but it's still explicitly stated that like they're coming back, you know. Yeah. I just realized all these kids must have been in diapers too because potty training. Yeah, probably. Speaking of child development, all those fun little hurdles. Yep. Um. So, meanwhile, uh, Daniel has brought Galen through because he's been talked around to like, all right, we we gotta give them back their kids. <laughs> I've already and, said it, and it can just yeah. pass me by. So, like, he's in the room with Hammond and Galen, and he calls Jack in to be like, yo, Jack, you gotta bring Mira in here. And Jack's like, I'm, I'm not happy with this. I don't agree with this whatsoever. Um, and he goes to, like, go to her lab and, like, sees uh, Mira and Sam, like, nerding out over the, the reactor and everything. And... They just turn the reactor on, and so Sam gets an angry phone call from Hammond about the the reactor setting off shockwaves and alarms through the through the base. And while she's talking uh, with the angry phone call with Hammond, Jack just like kind of like ushers Marin off, and Sam's like, "Oh yeah, cool," because she's assuming that like you know Jack's gonna be her escort. And so Jack takes her to an elevator, and he he ushers off the other uh guard that was with him at the time so now it's just him and Marin. and then they get in the elevator and he presses one for the surface and she immediately realizes like oh you're taking me outside aren't you <laughs> he's like yeah i need to i need to teach you something just gonna do some casual kidnapping it's fine yeah it's fine i'm just gonna have so- an amber alert going out any moment now but it's fine whatever so we cut to Hammond and he's scolding Sam about the reactor and he's like, you know, oh, you know, send, send Marin up to my office. And she's like, Jack already grabbed her to take to your office. And Hammond, Hammond immediately knows that Jack kidnapped this child. Speaking of faces transforming, he's like, I see. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even question it. And he immediately like hangs up on Sam and like calls like above and is like, make sure that Colonel O'Neill doesn't... When, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I see he's already <laughs> he left. He finds out Jack has already left. Now, I, I love to think about this encounter because I love how when Jack left um, Hammond's office, he was like, uh, 
permission to be excused as he's literally just leaving. Doesn't yes. even wait, which is like, whoo, boy, that's how you know he this. He does the bare minimum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's being pretty damn disrespectful to the uh, chain oh, of a command yeah. there. And you know Hammond's going to let it go because he, Hammond understands the situation. But it's just like those moments where it's good shit. And then I like how it's it good. follows through with Hammond knows this guy so well that as soon as he hears that from Sam, he's like, God damn it. Yes. <laughs> knows immediately what happened it's just oh it's so good yeah it's it is it is good stuff but yeah so jack takes marin to um a school that apparently cassandra went to before she moved on to junior high um and he just kind of like sends marin off to go play with the kids because it's recess and jack knows a whole bunch of the kids here I have to wonder if, like, this school is supposed to be, like, an intermediary school, maybe for kids who are having, like, interpersonal or, or development issues of some kind. It just seemed very pointed that, like, Cassandra had gone here, uh, but was in junior high now, but Jack still knew a lot of the kids here, so they were probably still here when Cassandra was. They never explicitly say what kind of school this is. Yeah, the fact that the teacher seems to know something was up with Cassandra, because the fact and that she had an Air Force presence, and the fact that Marin seems to be seems to be following this, yeah, I feel like because she's just be used to the Air Force like... dropping off little girls occasionally. <laughs> but Jack knows this place because of Cassandra, and he knows the teacher, and he's on good terms with her and everything. He's like, hey, you know, can can she hang out for like a lesson? She, you know, she's from out of out of town and. She just needs to, you know, get some socialization going, basically. And uh, you see her, like, very awkwardly trying to figure out how to play with the kids on the playground. Um, I love it when they toss a ball at her and she's like, okay. <laughs> this girl's a great actress. She, she's fantastic. She is. She is. I always, I'm always a sucker for those kinds of fun little scenes. So the yeah, yeah. kid gets hit with the ball and she's like, what? <laughs> But yeah, so after uh, after recess, they go inside, and it's art time. And you, you see one kid near the front is, is clearly painting Jack. <laughs> and Jack does a little joke, like, oh, I'm fat in this, you know? I like how the kid kind of shrugs, like, I don't know, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. I love it. I like the suggestion that even though Cassandra doesn't go to the school anymore, Jack yeah, still visits every now and there. then. God, you know yeah. he does. He's such a good dad, even though he's... Yeah. Yeah. I I like the idea that he still volunteers with children because he's a good yeah, guy. Yeah, I love it. Uh so you know, she's in art class and uh she starts trying to paint the reactor and she like calls Jack over like I need more precise paint brushes and he like immediately tears the half started reactor down. He's like, No, you're gonna start again. You're gonna do something that you like, not work. You you are do something you like. And she just kinda stares at him for a minute. He's like the, the flowers in, in Sam's office. You know, paint that. She's like, and she looks at it. She's like, yeah, do that, do that. And she starts to very small in one corner of the big pad. Do it. And he's like, no, no, big, bigger. Just, you know, get, do a whole meadow of flowers for me. Give me a whole forest. Like, cover the whole thing in, in, in flowers. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, we see that um, she she starts to do, like... She's, she does the leaves, and it's very precise. Like, you see, like, the little, the paler veins on them and everything. But she, like, calls him over. She's like, there's no purple. The flowers were purple. I need purple. And he's like, do, use red instead. She's like, 
well, if I have another cup, then I can make blue and red and make purple. He's like, no, just use red. And she's like, why are you asking me to paint it wrong? You're not giving me the tools to paint it correctly. And he's like, it doesn't have to be accurate. I felt this kid where she's like, you don't, you tell me to do something and you don't give me the means to do it. And I'm sitting there going like, preach kid fucking uh-huh. preach <laughs> again she's doing a great job like portraying her frustration yeah but not in like an immature way it wasn't like she's having a temper tantrum she's just like no what the fuck is wrong with you you tell me to do something but then you don't give me the ability to do it and he's like you're supposed to not do it and she's like what then don't tell me to do it <laughs> Yeah, so he finally manages to, like, say something that gets through to her. Where it, oh, like, part of it is he gives her, like, a much bigger brush <laughs> so that she can't do, like, fine details. And he's like, you know, just use red. Just cover cover it with flowers. And she finally, like, gets into it. And um, she winds up at the end of the, the art class. It's still a pretty realistic-looking painting. It's like a forest scene with trees and a whole bunch of flowers. And the trees and flowers all look pretty realistic still. Um, but it's something that came from her mind. I mean, she probably, like, looked outside, inspired from the trees from outside when Jack took her out of the mountain. Like, she definitely took inspiration yeah. from things she was seeing, but she didn't do, like, a photo rec- rec- recreation. I mean, there's um, still art that is photo like photorealistic to a degree. Like, I love uh, Olive yeah. Trees by Van Gogh. And that's mm-hmm. a painting of olive trees. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's you. What's nice is that, like you see that she's clearly not just like repainting a bowl of fruit in front of her. You know, she's putting some thought into having yeah. to create the scene. And the little the little uh, cherry on top of her her scene is that she's drawn a little stick figure of Sam on one side of it, and then Jack like looks over at the the figure and. Uh, and she's like, she's like, yeah, that represents Sam. He's like, yeah, looks just like her. <laughs> it's really sweet. It's so good. It's the first time he and Sam co-parent. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I felt like there was something very pointed about the fact that, like, I feel like ultimately what gets through to Marin in this episode is that, like, it starts with Sam and then ends with Jack. So there is, like, even though they're both doing it in separate instances and without con- consulting with each other, it is co-parenting. Yeah. Just little things. Little things. It's well-constructed, again. But, so, she thanks Jack for teaching her this new thing. Um, and he, you know, very seriously just goes, listen, all you have to do is ask. And she, like, looks at him for a minute, and then she's like, I have a duty to my people. I have to go back. I'm unhappy. And he's and he's not happy either. <laughs> uh, but he takes her back. And uh, as she's leaving with Galen, he hands her a box of crayons. And she's she's visibly happy to see the box of crayons. Uh, like, she opens it up and looks inside and sees all the colors and is, like, happy about it and thanks him. Uh, I do I do love because she then hands it over to Galen. So he's just got this box of like Crayola crowns sat on top of their really high tech looking Nakwood reactor. He's just holding it. I love it. It's just this weird visual. Sorry, these these episodes just make me so messed up inside. Cause all I can think during this is that there's this little girl who 
who, like, I'm assuming goes home to something at night, goes and eats and sleeps somewhere, and that kid, Toman, had that kind of relationship. I'm assuming probably lived with his dad. Yeah. Or unless he didn't, in which case, I don't know. But the point is, this guy, was, like, totally shrugs off the fact that he's never going to see his kid again. Like, it's mm-hmm. nothing. They're all fucking psychopaths. Um, well, okay, I actually, I didn't write this note down, but when Teal and Daniel, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to excuse it, but I do think it's an important aspect of, like, uh, another interesting uh, snapshot of the way their society functions is that when Teal and Daniel confront him about the fact that this is your son that you're talking about, this isn't even like, not, not to say that it would be fine if it was some kid you didn't know, but this is your son specifically you're talking about right now that, and he's, and you did this to him and he's gone. And he's like, no, he's not gone. He's right, right here. here. And he points at yeah, his head no. because he got a man yeah. from his son. But- and like, that's how in like their society, like, Hey, I still have my son. He's right here in me. But that's, that, I was thinking the same thing. That's why I brought up, like, the fact that, like, this kid goes home and sleeps and eats somewhere. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's bullshit. You were raising this kid up until this point. You're never going to see him again. You're never going to interact with him again. You're never going to talk to him again the way you talked to him. That should be eviscerating you right now. And instead, you're just like, oh, my God, dude, why is this a problem? (laughs) It's like... (laughs) What the fuck, man? This is dr- messed up. So, yeah, yeah, this little girl, he's giving her these crayons, and she's looking so happy. I'm just sitting here going, like, how can anyone watch a kid grow up and then just think that literally the sum total of them is their knowledge and that's it? I mean, I just can't. Ugh, sorry. This scene breaks me. It's supposed to, but yeah. it breaks me very successfully because I just, I, I, got, oh, yeah, I started getting real angry. I was just it's like. It's really good, man. So they go through, back through the gate, and then we get um, some indeterminate time later. Um, Couldn't have been that long. It definitely wasn't, like, the next day, but I don't know, maybe a week? They they do not say how long it's been. An indeterminate number of days later. Yeah, probably wasn't more than a week. They get a call back from Orban, um, and all of SG-1 go through... And Galen is, like, really excited and, like, really urgently needs to show them something. And uh, he brings them to where, you know, all the old uh, Orums were kept. And you just, as soon as you walk into this area, you just see, like... So when we, uh, when we went to the school on Earth, one of the first shots we got was of kids doing hopscotch. Yeah. And that's one of the first shots we get of us going to this section of the town is you see some kids playing hopscotch and you just see like this entire street is just full of kids who are playing together. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I love the idea that yeah, I know all the adults got a nanite, so all of them know about what hopscotch is and how to and how to show these kids what hopscotch is. But there's nothing just that there is nothing to suggest that these kids would be able to pick it up this fast. I'm sorry. It's just weird that in a week they're already all hopscotching so well. It's just I it's just a little questionable to me. Just a little. That's a lot of fine motor skills. That's counting. That's a lot of things that I just yeah. feel like if they had regressed to infantile state. I just feel like they wouldn't quite be this far along. I know why the episode did it, not just because of the visual yeah. cue and so forth. I'm not r- complaining that heavily. I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of squinting my eyes a little bit at this logic and going like, okay, I don't know if I'd really go yeah, that fast. I, get I feel like that's just wrap-up material, but okay. Oh yeah, it is wrap-up material, but again, 
like, and I'm not saying this to like excuse it or anything, but again, it's an indeterminate amount of time. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it could have been months, and it, and again, if they had some level of development going on naturally alongside, there's nothing to say they'd yeah. be like literally just like little jelly babies who don't know how to do anything, like literally yeah. anything. But I do feel find it funny that they are glossing over how these kids can already count and jump. And play ball and draw and not shit themselves <laughs> constantly. Yeah. You know, like this should just be a reeking area <laughs> at least. And it's not. And the idea that it isn't tells me, okay, they have a backup. They have a backup plan for this, but I'd love to know what that was. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Galen explains that, you know, all the old Rome kids are now being taught in the Earthway because they learned of this. From Marin after she did her ovarian. Yuck. And uh, because of all the things she learned between Sam and Jack, this is where I'm like, yeah, there's, it's odd how, like, they didn't do either any of this together. They did all of their things completely separate, but they did, like, basically co-parent Marin, which is really interesting the way she managed to do that. Um, but yeah, they've learned all of these things thanks to Sam and Jack, how there are more fun ways to learn things and how, you know, working through things on your own can be more rewarding, how playing is important, you know, all of that stuff. Um, play has been proven to be extremely instrumental in child development. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's great. The Iran get a cool trade-off. They lose a few years. They use a good chunk of their early childhood and their formative mm-hmm. years, but the, tra- the trade-off is they actually get to have a childhood after that, which the majority of the population doesn't get to have. So, you know, if that's if you're up for that, then that's not too terrible. Yeah. So then uh, Galen makes a point of reintroducing Teal'c to Toman, and they get a cute little moment um, to, like... They they uh get like a little reintegration reintroduction moment where Toman like reaches out and traces the the tattoo on Teal'c's head a little bonding moment between the two of them so messed up yeah it's beautiful but it's messed up and Jack spots Marin off to one side drawing on the walls and he walks up and you know he he tries to see if like maybe possibly she recognizes or remembers him and she definitely doesn't like she looks up and smiles at him but doesn't like you know say anything or you know show recognition and he's like well I guess we'll just have to get to know each other all over again and then he sits down next to her and starts drawing it's really cute because he like draws something on the wall and she grabs I don't know if it's crayons or chalk something like that yeah I can't really decide either I I was going with crayons at first but the material the surface they're drawing on doesn't seem like that'd be too yeah not good for crayons but he draws something and she takes one and like immediately scribbles over what he drew and he's like yeah "Yeah, you're right what was I thinking (laughs) and then he's like yeah so he's like yo do you know dogs do you like dogs dogs are my favorite people (laughs) I would not be shocked at all if the last like two minutes of Jack's um, words in this scene was Richard Dean Anderson improving. <laughs> My last note on this episode is literally just leave it to Richard Dean Anderson to save this episode for me completely. Because no matter how grossed out and sad I was feeling, that ending is so goddamn sweet because of him, because of his, Im- because of how he's speaking and everything. God, he even does this great tie back to um, when he was teaching her, you know, drawing and everything for drawing for fun's sake instead of purpose. 
where, uh, so he's like, he has this whole little ramble about dogs. Where he's like, yeah, they have all sorts of tails and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, not many purple dogs, though. <laughs> Which is a callback a little bit to when she was frustrated because she didn't have purple paint to do the flowers. Yeah, yeah that's as good of an ending as this episode can be. I might have said earlier that I wanted a darker episode. I'm not necessarily against that still. I, I, what I originally said could still stand. However... With all the everything everything else we've talked about and everything, I'm not against this ending because honestly, I'm also not against a happy ending. I would just like yeah. a happy ending sometimes too, so I'm not going to complain about a happy ending. I'm just upset Even that though I, it's not just a you know, it's not, it's definitely not a pure yeah, happy it's, ending. It's, it's, it's a bittersweet. Yeah, you know, it's very, it's very bittersweet, and I'm I'm good with that. I just want bittersweet to be less like brushing shit under the rug and i feel like sometimes these wrap-ups go too much down that route and when it's bittersweet when it's bittersweet specifically that brushes stuff under the rug it it, it really bugs me because bittersweet needs to be done right it needs to be balanced right otherwise it's just bad so at first i had a really not great feeling about it but I, i've kind of come around on this ending it fixed it for me a lot yeah so uh let's actually just jump uh, straight to that joaquin phoenix for this episode thumbs up this episode but yeah i uh i would say joaquin phoenix i would give this a solid thumbs up yeah i think uh yeah i 100 i 100 agree with you i love this episode I, I made this comment to you when i was uh watching it and taking my notes there's a lot to talk about in this episode. So nobody died. Nobody, died. nobody really even made a go of it. Not even the kids, technically. <laughs> Alright, and I, I don't think I really need to ask you, but I'll do it anyway. Are you a Jack or are you a Daniel Oh, this I'm definitely gonna go with Jack this episode. For all of the reasons that I stated this episode. I don't think I need to go into the why too much. I honestly agree with you. I'm definitely, like, while I was, you know, not, I wouldn't say defending Daniel's decisions no, no, no. in this you're episode, but like, you're you know. devil's advocating, it's fine. Yeah, I was devil's advocating it. I still wouldn't have agreed with any of the things. I'm 100% on Jackson. Well, because part of the reason that a lot of times I wind up on Daniel's end of things is because of the fact that since he's a civilian, he can do court martialable things and yeah. not be in trouble. Yeah. Whereas in this case, it's Jack who does it. Yeah, like, and Hammond even is like, I, I could court-martial you for what you did. And Jack's just kind of like, okay. whatever, do it, coward. Yeah, yeah so it's just, yeah, I, I, I'm I definitely a Jack. Like, I agree with, like, everything he did in this episode, 100%. I don't disagree with any of it. I definitely felt Daniel on, on some of his, like, nerdy ramble bits where he got really excited. <laughs> But uh, other than that, I usually feel Daniel when he goes on his nerdy rambly bits, but I, I don't agree with where he comes down ultimately in this episode. No, I, I agree. It's a great episode. It's a great episode. It really is. Great first showing for Heather Ash. Honestly, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing more of her episodes. If she keeps this up. Like, you've got a dark mind, my, my dude. But I like Honestly, your writing. right now, she's my second favorite author for this show. By Robert? Yeah. Yeah. She went heavy for- that's that's the first episode. That's a, that's a dark topic to go down. That's a dark road to go down. And she Absolutely. did a pretty damn good job. Very damn good yeah. job. I have a lot of issues with this episode, but it's all with the narrative parts. Like, the things yeah. that I'm supposed to have issues with. It's yeah, exactly. not. I don't, I don't have, have issues with, with her it. writing. I have issues with no. the characters because they piss me off. I have no issues with yeah. how she does it because she does a great job. So, yeah. No, it's great. I, excellent. Oh, you know what? I never read the synopsis for this. Oh, shit. We never did. It's because we hate these things. 
Let's hear what the synopsis for this uh, episode was. I'm going to leave it at the end, too. It's going to be funny. It's going to be funny. As part of an exchange program with the planet Orban, O'Neill travels to Earth with an alien girl who possesses incredible technical knowledge. But by the time O'Neill discovers the truth behind the child's superior mind, dot, 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 it may be too late for them all. bullshit false sense of urgency again because nothing ever comes of it the problem is that i think ultimately this is this is supposed to be saying that it's it may be too late for the children but the way the sentence is constructed yeah, badly makes it sound like it's too late for sgc yeah, that's not well written it's just a very poorly constructed sentence yeah, that was not well written that was not well written at all but, but let's uh let's shove that aside because we never like these. Uh, next week, I'm looking forward to this mm-hmm. episode six. Point of view. Point of view is awesome. I, I hope her hair looks better than I remember it looking. Um, I remember it looking like a cheap. I wig. think it's bad. I think it's a cheap. I wig. think they had a cheap wig in this episode. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. I know I shouldn't give a shit, but when it's distracting, it's distracting. The... The one in the season finale was good. Yeah, I remember us uh, talking about that. But I, I think I remember the one in this episode being really cheap. Here's the thing. Cheap wing or not, I fucking love this episode. I, I my shipper's heart episode. My shipper's heart craves this episode. I This is the episode that every time somebody tells me it doesn't matter, it happened in a different universe. I'm like, go fuck yourself. The chemistry was always there, and they made this episode for a fucking reason. Screw you. Watch SGA's I, deleted scenes. They follow up on this shit. Those two were always endgame, and I will fucking fight you. <laughs> I like how you love this episode because of the shipper aspect, whereas I'm just all oh, in on the, um, the alternate universe like timeline fuckery shit. Oh, I love that. that that's also cool. <laughs> it's, it's all so it. cool such a sucker for it these two were fucking because Endgame, it was the 90s and they couldn't anyone. do the uh polyamorous relationship that they kept that was the only reason teasing. that must have been it yes but yeah no i'm looking forward to point of view it's actually a very good episode outside of my shipper heart uh stuff which is really interesting because i'm gonna give a sneak peek there are a lot of writers involved in this episode why <laughs> I don't know, and I'm not going to like go into the details of it, but when I looked it up, I was like, wow. Huh. Granted, it's mostly like good writers, right. <laughs> but like it's it's interesting when I saw that. I was like, well, okay, normally you see that many names when it's a, uh, a clip show episode. Right. Well, I guess we'll uh, look forward to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Point of View. Very excited. I, I'm really excited about this stretch because this was an amazing episode. I love Point of View. And then the next episode is Dead Man Switch. Yeah, one of your favorites. Oh, I love Dead Man Switch. It's a good episode. Yeah, you're right. It's, like, it's a good swath of episodes coming our way. Uh-huh. I'm excited, man. Hell yeah. So, that's it. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not Liss or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it, th- toss it through the nearest wormhole. I'm always just laughing at the concept of somebody listening to us for two hours and then thinking, I want to get a hold of these two people. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. Some people are suckers for punishment. I know, right? Masochists exist. <laughs> I want somebody to guess what we bleeped in that episode. <laughs> I feel like it's not going to be that hard, but I'd like it to be hard. My sentence structure today. My sentence structure today. I'm going to do like a separate deleted scenes of this episode. It's just my sentence structure coming back to bite me. God. You should have the two times you said um, that they... I don't even remember. Yeah. Bleep those. Yeah, I'm doing that. Okay, I'm not doing deleted scenes. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bleep every moment of unfortunate sentence structure in this episode because seriously, it was rife today. I had a problem today. I couldn't like, but this was translating, and it was not a good episode to translate in. Wrong. God no. It's, I'm unhappy. Oh See, my God. all of these things I'm gonna bleep are gonna be great. It's gonna be terrific. It's gonna be. So this episode funny. is gonna be a bunch of people definitely not wanting to contact us afterwards. <laughs> Anyway, so, on that note, um, you can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris, and until next time... <laughs>